about raincoats, but <laughs> I, I, th- I think you'd run out of material pretty quickly. Well, you can try me, because I know everything about raincoats. Okay. Uh, no, what, what, was, what was the model I'm, of raincoat I'm, I'm, I'm that Morty designed before the executive? Uh, Jeez, good question. Do they talk about that? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> All right, you want to get going? Yeah, let's get going. All right, because I guess it's probably going to be a long one. Welcome uh, to No Hugging, No Learning. It's the show about one thing, watching Seinfeld for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we are going to be talking about The Raincoats, Season 5, Episode 18. Uh, but before that, we did have some homework to get to from the previous episode, The Wife. And uh, let me see, where do we want to start? Well, the first question we had, and this kind of ties into the episode of The Raincoats, it aired on... April 28th, 1994. Uh-huh. The episode before that, The Wife, aired March 17th, 1994. And the episode before that aired February 24th, 1994. So, so we were pretty kinda, far apart. Yeah, and, we, we were kind of averaging like one episode a month at this point. Yeah, which is like, you know, we've had uh, like breaks like this where, you know, Seinfeld was just killing it in the reruns. I mean, people mm-hmm. were still, I mean, it still kills it in the reruns for crying out loud. But, you know, people were like still loving the reruns. So, but that, this seemed, you know, kind of odd for only one episode a month and no real huge special events going on. I mean, the Super Bowl and the Oscars and everything, that's normally January, February. So, yeah, uh, I put this, I, I, I posited this question to the Seinfeld subreddit, which has chimed in on our show, um, uh, you know, multiple times whenever you, do you still post the episodes up there? I do. Uh, I typically only post like uh, every other episode uh, because I mean, uh, g- granted, I, I, I don't care that we're only getting like one or two upvotes on each post that I was right. posting, but I, I don't want to feel like, especially because I'm not really posting that many other things or anything else other than our show, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't want to feel uh-huh. like I'm just posting posting the show and not paying any attention to the subreddit. You know? I, I, I right, want right, right. to yeah, I want yeah. to like kind of space our stuff out. So I, I've either been well, posting... Well, plus then the... the- the post police will come after you and go, Ugh, why are you posting something you created that's Seinfeld related on a Seinfeld subreddit? Like, oh, sorry God. it's not a picture with text. It's you know Oh, how how <laughs> dare you post something other than just a screenshot with the exact text that is said in the scene? Oh <laughs> go fuck yeah. yourself. And then the line Ugh. The line following it as the title of the post. Oh, um, my God. So, but, you know, as much as we're trashing, the that, that's just Reddit's subculture. That's oh, not the yeah. Seinfeld that, subreddit. No, that's, that, that's, that's literally subculture. just Reddit as a whole. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's the same in, like, uh, wrestling Reddit. Uh, it's the same in gaming Reddit. Uh, oh, my God. Like, don't even, don't even venture into, like, meme Reddit if you don't want to see a bunch of assholes. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, the prequel, sequel, and uh, <laughs> after all the Star Wars memes, and the OT memes, yeah, that's uh, that that can be pretty toxic too. But so I asked, you know, anyone know why these episodes aired so far apart at the end of season five, and got a couple of helpful responses. Yeah, uh, one said. It looks like this happened in other seasons as well, not just season five. After a new episode in late February, Seinfeld would only air one new episode mid-March and then wouldn't return for new episodes again until April. Since the TV landscape was so different back then, which is true, I mean, 94, geez. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, 23 episode orders for broadcast shows, big four networks dominated, while cable, cable satellite wasn't mainstream yet. Streaming was still decades away. I can only guess as to why Seinfeld and possibly other sitcoms staggered their new episodes from February to April. might be that... The networks thought March wasn't a great TV ratings period for advertisers. Weird. Because of spring break and stuff and waited until after April during sweeps period to release the rest of the show's new episodes when more viewers would tune in. Hmm. 
Interesting. So maybe so that's the, one. Yeah, that's, maybe yeah. they maybe they were like testing out new shows in that time period during sweeps just to see like if anything would gain traction. That way, for maybe like next season, they could have like a Seinfeld lead in and then say uh, w- whatever show tested well during sweeps back in March, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I think March. Yeah, March, April, May. Uh, this this seems to indicate that May is when sweeps comes back in. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, I'm not familiar with the TV rating system. And heck, it might have even changed since 1994, you know, when they do sweeps yeah. and stuff right now. Because I know the tele- the television stations around here are in sweeps right now. Oh, really? Which I only know because there's there's one that, like, only advertises during sweeps and, you know, like, <laughs> talks about their local newscast and stuff like that. So that's the only reason I know it's running right there. They're in sweeps right now, which is early February. So I don't know what they, you know, uh, I guess... That, it kind of makes sense because if if sweeps ends like before the end of this month, the stand-in aired February twenty fourth. Then they blew one new episode in March, one in April, and then by the time May rolled around, they had three new episodes before summer kicked in. Hmm. I guess it makes sense with the scheduling. Yeah. Oh man. It, it's oh wait, just... here, here we go. This one actually. Oh. This one actually has more info on. Oh that. okay, okay. Um, I should have just read the next comment. Uh, <laughs> shows ran twenty something episodes spread from the start of the season in September through the end of May. Sweeps months were and still are November, February, and May. Oh, okay. So there is yeah. one in February. Yeah, shows would have new episodes aired during those months. The summer was mostly a dead... Yeah, so the February 24th, that was the last Thursday probably in... Yeah, it would have been the last Thursday in February. So after that, it's like, all right, no, we'll, we'll, blow, a new, we'll blow a new episode in March, then in April, and then we'll kick it into high gear and, and end the season on, on kind of a high note. Yeah, hmm, that makes okay. sense. And the summer was mostly a dead time for new TV, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there we go. The, it was pretty much conventional wisdom that nobody watched every week. But keep in mind, this is before DVR. Like, I was still recording my favorite shows, like Saturday Night Live or whatever. I'd have to set a timer on the VCR, <laughs> make sure a tape was in there. Like, all of this stuff, uh, still I'm doing in 94. Um, yeah, so the plan was to spread episodes out uh, as long a period as possible. It wasn't until the rapid growth of serialized shows that networks began to do two things, shorten seasons and air them in blocks, showing new episodes week in and week out, which is kind of what we're... I mean, heck, I mean how many shows are dropped every single episode all at once now i mean that's the oh new model my god yeah and, and i mean I, i've seen uh definitely some streaming platforms try and rebuke that because i mean obviously like hulu originals will uh, a lot of times drop one episode at a time it's like yeah new episodes every tuesday only on hulu or something mm-hmm. I, I know they did that with the mandalorian uh, yeah I, I know they did that with the act uh which i think definitely paid off by having uh like one episode at a time because it was a very Mm-hmm. Uh, like very dramatic story, and you don't want to just like get through all of that in an afternoon. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it's, I mean, there is something to be said for the anticipation and thinking about it, and being able to talk about it because everybody's on the same page. You know, nobody's gone past episode four. That's true. Because that's the last episode that was out. You that's know? true. That's true. <laughs> so that's that's kind of nice as well. Everyone's experiencing it because that used to be it used to be great. Like you know, coming in and talking about Lost the next day or. Or whatever show was kind of hot. Oh, Twin Peaks was another one I remember. Again, I was too young to watch Twin Peaks first time around, but mm-hmm. I remember it being a phenomenon and everybody talking about it. You know, even though I was in fourth or fifth grade. Yeah, but now, like, you come into work on Monday morning. Say, like, uh, for example, uh, the the most recent thing I can think of is the last episodes of BoJack dropped on Netflix. Uh, you come in, you know, uh, someone that uh, really likes BoJack, and you're like, oh yeah, I'm only three episodes in. They have to watch what they say because they're six episodes in. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, when Stranger Things drops everything, oh and it's like, all right, God, well, how much did you yeah. watch? You know, uh, and then and then I'm like, well, I watched the whole thing, uh, 
And then you try to remember what episode, like, yes. they're like, I'm on episode three. Like, okay, what the hell happened? Has this happened yet? They're like, no. I'm like, oh, whoops. Well, I, I think, <laughs> I, I think uh, my model with that is uh, if I know yeah. that I've seen more than the person I'm talking to, I always ask them first, what was the last big thing that you saw? Yes. Yeah. 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 Let them lead the conversation. Mm-hmm. That's the way to do it. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so I'm not like intentionally spoiling anything for them, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. But then sometimes they're like, oh, well, um, this guy uh, walked into that spooky building. And then you're like, oh, boy. You're like, what? 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 Oh, nothing. 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 <laughs> what are you? That's kind of spoiling stuff, you know? <laughs> You get excited because you know more than them. Like, oh, uh, okay, just wait. Just wait. I will. I was going to. What, you think I was going to stop watching that? Keep watching. Keep watching. <laughs> That's like uh, so- sometimes when Grace watches something before me that she knows I want to watch, she'll like pause yeah. it and we're like, oh, yeah, w- w- watch this. You- you're going to like this part. I'm like, stop telling me things. <laughs> I was just watching uh, this cartoon that did this really well. It's like a Disney Channel cartoon, but it's really it's it's really funny. My daughter and I love it. Um, uh, it's called Big City Greens. Have you ever seen it? No, I don't think I have. It's about this 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 far this uh, family of farmers and they move to the big city. And and anyway, so the dad is showing the son a um, star like whatever the Star Wars is in their universe. I forget what they called it, but it was like you can tell <laughs> it was basically Star Wars, and they okay. were kind of like parodying it. Um, but and so the son's trying to watch it, and the dad like won't stop staring at him and like quoting the movie. But like especially when big scenes are coming up, he like stares at him to see his reaction, and it, and it totally ruins the experience for the son. <laughs> like, oh, watch! Wait for this! Wait for it! Like, gosh. just just let me experience yeah. the thing on my own. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But it is fun. It's fun to see, you know, it's fun to see what you look like the first time around when like, you know, I know yeah. Game of Thrones is big for that too. I, that's why that's one reason I'd love to revisit that just to see what Sarah would do when some of those crazy shocks happen. Yeah, I I, I mean, that's another show that I've only seen one episode of. Oh, just wait, Ted. Oh, just wait. Uh, I mean, I know what happens. It's been in popular culture for the last 10 years. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things that like, but just, you know, probably just like Seinfeld. You know, I mean, not that you could spoil Seinfeld. Like, oh, man, I didn't know that Newman was going to die. Wait, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> but still, I mean, like, parts of it have, have entered so that when you get to those episodes that you know about, like, I forget what the ones we, I mean, I guess you would know about the puppy shirt or you had known yeah. about the soup Nazi where you, you knew that about that. Right? I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know everything about it, but I, I just knew, like, the line. That, that's, that's pretty much yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And so now, when you get to it, you're gonna you're gonna be like the ostrich in Family Guy, like ah, there's the line. <laughs> they said it. <laughs> <laughs> it ah. I, what, what was what was that bit from? Is that whenever they're saying like, uh, oh no, I'm thinking of something different. Uh, th- there was one like cutaway bit where Peter's like, yeah, I love whenever they say the name of the show or the movie in the scene, and like Brian gets arrested or something, and one of the cops says like, uh, because he finds uh, Brian has weed. And he's like, yeah. hey, I don't want that in my city, man. I'm a family guy. And then I, th- I think it's like. <laughs> I, either yeah, I think Pe- the ostrich. Yeah, either. I think it's like Peter or Stewie like turns, like breaks the fourth wall. He's like, ah, he said it. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't remember what, I the, what they did the ostrich was from. The ostrich yeah, for. It's something very similar, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that, that answers that question, kind of. Uh, we also <laughs> had the question, finally, that we, I don't know if we had answered um uncle leo is the brother of jerry's mother helen uh, is he i don't okay. know when we yeah i don't know when we learned that but according to official channels uh, uncle leo is uh Jer- the brother of jerry's mom helen and his last name is never revealed oh. so i guess we never learn 
I guess we never learned Helen's maiden name either, for that matter. Hmm. Okay. I, I guess. I yeah. guess that would. Uh, that would be. That would be correct. Okay. I, I never. I, I mean, it, it makes sense that he's not related to Morty because they don't act anything alike. Uh, they, they, yeah. the casting department didn't make any effort to make them look alike. Uh, but but, <laughs> yeah. then, but then again, he doesn't have many of the same features as uh, the actress who plays Helen. Yeah, I'd say they have a more similar facial structure than him and Morty. You think so? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I do have a little bit of trivia from the last episode as well. After after filming, the producers belatedly decided that they wanted the character of Paula, which I don't think we, I don't think we ever knew her actual name. But that's the foreign woman who drops off the clothing and, and Jerry gets it washed for her and commits laundry, laundry, as we uh, <laughs> as we said last week. But maybe that's the actress's name or something. But regardless, oh, they wanted her character to be more exotic. So they hired a voice actress to dub over all of. No, that wasn't the actress's name. Her, the actress's name is Rebecca Glenn. Huh. All of Rebecca Glenn's speech reciting all the same dialogue in a French accent. So I can't believe normally we can pick up the ADR on the show. Wow. It's very sloppy, but they did they, a good job with this one. Yeah, I they, know. They actually had really good ADR. I'm shocked. I am too, honestly. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> and uh, we we actually had uh, one more bit of homework. Tim, you had texted me uh, a couple of days ago because we were wondering if Sunshine Cleaners was next to J&T Optical from uh, the earlier, I, I believe it was season five episode, The Glasses. And sure yeah. enough, they are right next to each other. Yeah, like I could when you in in the wife when you see sunshine cleaners you see the word optical in the number fifty one which I uh-huh. recognized from the glasses I was like oh that's <laughs> that's the glasses store from the glasses and and you were like well I wonder if they had enough foresight to go because I think we decided that that optical sign was was kind of a fake mm-hmm. and it wasn't actually where it where it was or whatever and and so I, I was motivated at the end of the raincoats you know I had I was like well Hulu's open I might as well just go check this out and and uh, there it is they're right next to each other man. <laughs> I, I continuity. yeah, I'm uh, I'm kind of surprised by that. You don't you don't typically get that much yeah. continuity from from uh, the B roll shots. Yeah, but I mean, maybe they just took them at the same time. They're like, hey, there's a cleaners next door. Grab that one too. Like, okay, you know. And then it, and then they, you know, we've talked about the NBC B roll library before, and so oh maybe boy, it was just uh, that kind of thing. Yeah, and uh, we'll we'll get into that later on in this episode, or, or at Ooh, least or at least well, I, I will. Uh, um, but but before we before we get into uh, anything else, I did want to give a shout out to Adam Webb who reached out to us on Twitter, and because I know a couple of episodes we had discussed about Jonathan Wolf, uh, who was profiled on a podcast called Twenty Thousand Hertz, who was the uh, composer and creator of the Seinfeld theme song, who neither of us knew created the Seinfeld theme song and played it differently for every single episode, but apparently mm-hmm. uh, this guy was on like uh not e true hollywood story but it was like some e news report and there's video mm-hmm. of him watching jerry's uh stand-up special or not st- not special but just watching his stand-up and like he's talking about uh everything that goes into uh creating the theme song and he's like yeah it's not really uh a real slap bass sometimes i'll use like uh sounds from my mouth and like he even just goes like in the camera he's like yeah i, I felt like this would be a good sound and just like flip, like <laughs> yeah. flicks his finger out of his mouth, and then like records that and samples that, and you just see him like hit a couple of keys, and it's boom, 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 boom. <laughs> but it's uh, it's uh, really something cool. So I'll I'll retweet that. From- yeah, to watch him do it live, it was pretty awesome. I watched that this morning. I was like, that is that's really awesome. Yeah. So I am 
retweeting that from the No Hugging accounts. So, and it's not like we tweet that much from the at No Hugging account. So, if you're listening to this, scroll back in our timeline a- about a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There'll be the new episode, and then right before that will be that. I guess it'll be, yeah, it will be the wife. Yeah, it'll be right before we post the wife episode on Twitter. Yes. <laughs> Uh, okay, and I guess that is it for all the homework and trivia and stuff. Yes. So, uh, d- did you have any other any other news or anything? Nope. Okay. If you've never listened to our episode before, uh, we are not a research heavy show. We like to do our research of the week after, which is why our episodes are, are typically so uh, front heavy uh, with with research because we we like to kind of go into them blind and assign them to um, to ourselves as homework. Uh, if you like what you hear, please give us a five star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, I promise you, the ratings and reviews do help. If you do give us a five star rating and a written review, we will send you a no hugging, no learning sticker. Once we get those made, those do not exist yet. Uh, if you are listening to the episode and you just get irrationally upset uh, because we we miss something, we skip over something, we we miss your favorite quote or character or B B roll moment, uh, send us a tweet, send us an email. Uh, the links are in the description or on the show description on Apple Podcasts. They are at no hugging or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com. That being said, Season 5, Episode 18, The Raincoats, original air date, April 28th, 1994. I was one year, four months, and eight days old. If you're looking at TV Guide that night, you are going to see Kramer's scheme to sell vintage raincoats, backfires, George sells his dad's clothes, and Jerry and his girlfriend have a hard time finding privacy. Oh, boy. Hey. So much going on. Hey. Ugh. Yeah, it's 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 not rare these days that we get a description of every single storyline in the <laughs> in the opening, but uh, we'll see if we can make it better when we get to the end of this double episode. I don't know if we've mentioned that. No, I yet. don't. I don't think we have. Yeah, we've got a we've got a long boy today. Yeah, yeah. So it starts with a stand up bit as usual, and this is about conversational distance and people that stand too close when they're talking, and then moves into handshakes and how there are so many different ones. I loved Jerry's physical bit about. The handshakes, too many pumps, too limp, too, you know, like starts too early and walks towards you, doesn't, you know, the person who doesn't want to let go after you've already let go. I, I thought this was a great bit. <laughs> yeah, Jerry, uh, Jerry's kind of underrated with physical comedy. Like, I, I don't want to see him doing, yeah, like, yeah. I don't want to see him doing like prop stuff like Carrot Top, but just seeing him mm-hmm. just stoic behind the mic stand in front of a red curtain, uh, he, he's not, he's not on his full potential, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, he's known as Mr. Word Economy. I mean, mm-hmm. among comics, it's like, all right, he he has the equation. Like, he's very mathematical in his use of words. So when you see him pull off something very well like this with, you know, just like doing all the different handshakes in like rapid fire succession, it was it was really nice. And and it's gone wrong, as we've seen with the, the goofy hat bit, which we all remember from a couple episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> But this was this was pretty good. I, I liked it. Moving into monks, Jerry's parents are staying with him. We're learning, and he hasn't been alone. He's telling George this. He hasn't been alone with his new girlfriend Rachel for three weeks. He uses the expression he's a little backed up, which I thought was kind of yeah gross for yeah, prime the, time. The 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 way I described it in my notes was Jerry doesn't want his parents to come because he needs to. <laughs> <laughs> and. Rachel, you know, they can't go to Rachel's place because she lives with her parents. And George is like, whoa, like Jerry's dating this, uh, you know, let's face it, probably a younger woman. Mm-hmm. And she lives with her parents. And George is like, whoa, maybe with your uh, 
maybe living with your parents is going to be a cool thing, which is so far ahead of its time. <laughs> it really you know, is. I mean, oh with like the God. joke about <laughs> millennials moving back in with their parents. <laughs> it has become a cool thing. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely more acceptable. <laughs> Uh, or, or more accepted, yeah. I guess, because people are just like, well, what, what am I, why am I going to live on my own until I, I get a job and like can afford it? Especially if the parents are yeah. cool with it, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. And I can't imagine in New York City, you know, so. Mm-hmm. But Jerry turns around, you know, George's like, maybe living with your parents is going to be a cool thing. And Jerry's like, yeah, maybe baldness will catch on, <laughs> which I guess there's something to be said, too. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of famous dudes now who are cool with like, you know, shaving their head and stuff like that. Oh, uh, yeah. Not that it's preferred I, I think a full head of hair is probably still preferred but it's, it's it has certainly become more acceptable as well just like living with your parents yeah oh for sure and, and i mean like uh last time grace and i were in a bigger city we went out to uh chicago about a year ago and i'm seeing like all of these like hip and trendy people like some of them have the worst hairlines i've ever seen like some of these dudes are <laughs> like uh, the entire crown of their head there's just no hair to it and i'm like is it just the thing of people don't care or or what's going on here? You mean like they've lost their hair? A lot of people are like losing their hair. Their hairlines are going back. Uh, but there's just a lot of people who just don't care about losing their hair or, or they just shave their head. Yeah. You know? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know when the point is when you've lost enough hair to just go ahead and shave the whole thing or you just do the horseshoe thing, you know, like, like Larry David, for instance. That's if, true. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he, he balled it, uh, like really early, I think. And then yeah. he's just always had like that crazy long hair around the sides. You know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I guess that's not cool anymore. If you have that, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess the horseshoe's not cool or like Jason Alexander. That's yeah. True. Good example, true. You know, he never went, he never went full Bic. Yeah. At least, uh, at least Jason Alexander has like the peninsula of hair on top of his head. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's true. That's true. Rob Cordry is another one I think I can think of that didn't go that's done like the sort of old school balding. Oh yeah. And Paul Shear too. Yes, yes. Another great example. Yeah. So there's some there's some dudes out there that are still comfortable with it. Paul Shear's a great one. Uh but George says that, you know, bald baldness is gonna catch on when the aliens come because who do you think they're gonna look to? They're gonna look to the guys that look like them with no hair that you know they're gonna be in charge. So George's parents, while Jerry's parents are in town before this trip to Paris, want to have Jerry's parents for dinner, and Jerry is paying for this Paris trip for their anniversary, which is pretty awesome. But, yeah, you know, probably just pennies for Jerry. Oh, probably. <laughs> uh, and then Alec comes in with Joey, a little kid. Yeah. And Alec <laughs> asks if I guess he just asks George specifically if they want to be a part of the. Maybe he addresses it to the table to be a part of the Big Brother program. Yeah. He... And then Joey says, "Wouldn't you like to be a Big Brother to someone like me?" <laughs> Which I think was a line from an old Big Brother PSA that used to air. I had like kind of flashbacks. To <laughs> yeah, that. I think they were kind of parodying that ad. Yeah, he he definitely addresses it to the table, but then when neither of them react, uh, Alec is like George, just kind of like leading him into <laughs> yeah. it. But uh, I I love this because we have instant character names. We we never get yes. these ever. <laughs> yeah, like hey Alec. <laughs> Hey, Alec. Hey, Joey. What's going on, guys? I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember that Big Brother PSA, though, by the way? Wouldn't you like to be a big brother to someone like me or something like that? No, I have no idea. Did that ring a bell? Nope. No. I'm pretty sure it was from a commercial. George agrees to be a part of the Big Brother program, essentially out of guilt. He's guilted into it, which I think is what Ale- why Alec directed the question at him. He yeah. knew that about George. Yeah, yeah. Like. 
<laughs> oh, out on the street, George is trying already trying to figure out a way to get out of the Big Brother program, and he'll he's decided to lie about going to Paris to get out of of being involved in the Big Brother program. And he'll say, "I'll go to Paris." I'll. Uh, this is where he comes up with a postcard scheme. Yeah, he's like, I'll, <laughs> "I'll give your parents some postcards, and they can mail them from Paris to Alec to like prove that I was in Paris." <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't want to say this was a genius idea, but, like, this is the first of many, like, just uh, roadblocks that George faces. Or not roadblocks, but uh, he's just trying to go on that detour to try and get out of it. And there's a few roadblocks along yeah. the way. Yeah, George is one of those guys that will do, like, five days of work to get out of five minutes of, of something he doesn't want to do. <laughs> You know, like he's going to go to all this trouble to buy postcards and, mm-hmm. and reel someone else in who's going to have to buy stamps and mail them from Paris to this guy just to prove that, you know, he could just say, oh, I'm going to Paris and, and that'd be it. But, he no, he wants to make sure this guy believes because the guy's like, oh, come on, who's going to actually going to Paris? Like, <laughs> so he wants to make sure this guy actually believes he went there by mailing him or believes he is there by mailing him postcards. Yeah. Which is something that George has to explain to Jerry's parents in the apartment a couple seconds later and. They seemingly agree after George says he will reimburse them for postage because he's like, there's no stamps on these postcards. He's like, yeah, well, you know, you got to put you got to buy fresh stamps, which he, the dad, he once re- the dad hears he has to buy something. Yeah. George, George reluctantly says, which I'll reimburse you for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, knowing full well, probably he would never, ever reimburse them. Oh, for, for those sure. Stamps. For sure. That was not in the plans. Kramer comes in and uses some of Helen's lotion and Morty compliments Kramer on the pants he's wearing. And Kramer says he bought him at Rudy's, a used clothing store. And George hasn't even really heard of this idea before, but he likes the idea of used clothing. And Kramer leaves, but um, he can't get out on the of the door because his hands are covered in lotion. Yeah. So kind of we get kind of a physical funny bit here where Kramer, like you know, we've all been there before. Oh yeah. Uh, before before he does leave, though, this is this is when he gives George the idea because. Uh, he says that Rudy's will buy old clothing. So George kind of gets that that seed planted. He's like, yeah, my dad has like tons of old clothing in the attic. So he, he's just trying to like make a quick mm-hmm. buck. Oh, yeah. And George invites the Seinfelds to dinner. And right away when he's saying this, Helen is looking at Morty. Yes. So George can't see her face. Yes. But she makes a face like, oh, good boy. Um, and then <laughs> she's like, oh, we have plans. We can't go to dinner tonight. We have plans. They're very cagey about tomorrow as well because George is like, well, what about tomorrow? And, you know, he he's kind of suspect about the whole thing because they're only going to be in town for three days. How could they have plans? You know, yeah. they like pretty much just got in today. Uh-huh. They're leaving soon. What plans could they possibly have? And so he's he's kind of suspect about that. But then we find out that Helen says, we don't care for the Costanzas. And, and Morty says, we can't stand them, which I thought was a funny <laughs> kind of callback to George's high school nickname. Mm-hmm. Can't stand them. <laughs> uh, Elaine and her boyfriend come in. Uh, his name is Aaron. Again, we're getting character introductions right away. Yes. <laughs> and it's Aaron so is weird. Judge Reinhold. Oh, wait. Who is this? The great Judge Reinhold. Did You, you didn't recognize him? Uh, he looked familiar. Fast but Times I, at Ridgemont High, Beverly Hills Cop. Uh, oh, what else was he in? Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. Oh, oh, oh. He was in... Um, man, he plays like the dad in something... Yeah, he was like, uh, this was, I, I would say this is a cameo because Judge Reinhold was definitely famous by the time this episode aired. So I'm going to say this was, this was a cameo. Yeah, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, he was, yeah, that's right. He's the dad in the Santa Claus, like the stepdad or whatever. Oh my God. Holy hell. <laughs> that's what, that's what I recognize I it from. Yeah. 
<laughs> Tim, you, you know. I think there had to have been something. <laughs> you know, whenever you say like, oh, yeah, it's this person. You have to relate it to me in terms of kids movies in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> yes, or, or, yeah. ki- or kids TV shows in the 90s or 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Always, if someone's been on Seinfeld, they were always a dad on a Disney show that Ted watched <laughs> later on. <laughs> now, now we just need <laughs> that I like, have, that I'm completely clueless on. Like what? <laughs> n- now we just need like a ca- like an uh, uncredited cameo from uh, uh, Rondell Sheridan. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who that is. He uh, he was actually just up here at the comedy club a couple of weeks ago, but he was the dad on that. So Raven. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I definitely remember that. I mean, I never watched it, but I heard of it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm trying to see what else uh, that that he was in that might have been big time. Beverly Hills Cobb, I'd say, is probably the big one. And that, okay, you know, a bunch of TV work and and stuff like that. But it looks like he was in all three Santa Clauses. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, so the great judge Reinhold plays Aaron and he is a close talker. He gets like nose to nose with whoever he is talking to and <laughs> he's, you know, being introduced to everybody and everyone has kind of funny reactions to like, he gets nose to nose to Jerry and Jerry, oh, yeah. who has obviously talked to him before is like stoic. Like he, they're touching noses and Jerry's just standing there in defiance almost. <laughs> it's, it's almost like Aaron is confronting them, you know, like he leans so yeah. far into them. <laughs> it's just like, oh yeah. How long are you guys in town for? How long are you staying? <laughs> And everybody has a different reaction, but it, mostly they, everyone just like kind of backs up or like bends backward at the waist to sort of <laughs> get as far away from his face as they can. Uh, and he finds out, you know, that they're in town. And so he offers a behind the scenes tour of the Metropolitan Museum of Art to the Seinfelds. And Elaine decides not to go. And mostly because she's puzzled by the gesture. Like, why mm-hmm. would he take your parents out to an art museum? It's just very weird. Yeah. And and jerry meanwhile is like oh my gosh i'm going to an art museum they're gonna be gone for a couple hours i'm gonna call rachel's uh, i'm gonna call rachel see if she'll come over and he gets the machine and he leaves a message about how she's uh you know about he, how he's got the place by himself and elaine uh, i like her line here i uh, wish i could help you out Mwah, and like gives him a little kiss while she's applying makeup you know kind of a uh throwback to you know their arrangement the mm-hmm. friends with benefits stuff being yeah. exes like all, all of the above yeah uh one thing one thing that oh. aaron does offer to the seinfelds he literally offers the money he says like oh yeah i went to france a couple of years ago i have an i have a whole envelope of french <laughs> francs I'll, I'll get it for you he literally offers them cash that's true that's true it's money that you know he could take to the bank and get you know, but sometimes you come home, like we went to Ireland for our honeymoon. We came back with stuff and it's just not worth it with the exchange rate. Sometimes you bring back a 20 and you're like, what am I going to get? You know, 10 bucks for this. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the point. I'll just, you know, <laughs> I'll save it or whatever. Uh, but you're right. It, what Cash is cash. And if he's got like an envelope of francs left, it's probably, you know, a couple hundred bucks American, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Why not? Cash is cash, whether, you know, whether you have to give some to the bank to get it changed over or what. Uh, over at George's house, his parents are, uh, are disappointed and confused that the Seinfelds are not coming over tonight. The fact that they have plans and everyone's wondering. Everyone else is, is very suspect about this. And that's pretty much that scene. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did like how uh, Estelle was saying, well, what, what? Or no, it's um, Frank is saying, why would they lie to us? They're our dear friends. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is another good kind of throwback to something that Seinfeld has done before when you overestimate the friendship. I forget what episode it was. Maybe the Keith Hernandez episode oh, or, or something like that. Like, yeah, you know, when, you, when you, we're like, we're not that close. We're not drive to the airport close. We're not 
come over to you know the, the Costanzas are overestimating their friendship with mm-hmm. the Seinfelds, and mostly because you know I bet this is something parents run into that uh, I'm probably going to run into eventually. Your kids are going to have friends whose parents you don't like. And yeah, yet you're well, forced to hang out with them. The, the, I think you were telling me that like you've already run into this uh, before uh, with some of the parents of your daughter's friends, right? Because like uh, occasionally, like you'll be at like a party or something, and they're there, and and I mean, it's like you guys get along because your daughters are friends, but you guys really have nothing in common. Yeah, yeah. So every so often you'll yeah, you'll just run into these like single serve <laughs> situations where you just have to like yeah, spend time with people and you're like, "All right, well, we got to we got to find something to talk about cuz yeah. we're at this, you know, we're at this museum for the next couple hours <laughs> I, wherever I, it is." I, I can't imagine any of them yeah. are listening to your Seinfeld podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> now the ones that are, it's definitely not you, John. Uh, yeah, I, I, shout out to my neighbor John who we were at the we were at the playground earlier this week and he said he was working his way through the, the podcast. <laughs> But I always like talking to John. So there we go. It's not him. <laughs> it's definitely not, Ted. You laughing this much makes it seem like it is. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. I just thought that was so funny for some reason. It's definitely not you, John. I swear. <laughs> no, no. He's, Yeah. Definitely not. Uh, I haven't really met anybody up here that that uh, that I would be talking about. <laughs> John, but I'm sure get, it's gonna, a situation is going to come up later. Yeah. John's going to get to this episode in like a couple of months. You're like that son of a bitch. Yeah, yeah. Right around when it starts warming up. But I don't know where he was. It sounded like he was working well. He was working his way through pretty quickly. Um, oh, that's good. Because he, he referenced my Costanza shoes and stuff like that. Uh, oh, that I happen to be wearing at the time. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But it's going to be right around summer when everyone starts going back to the park. Yeah, nice. Nice. <laughs> he's going to run into you and he's going to close talk you. And he's just going to be like, hey, well, stop talking about me on your podcast. We're like, no, no, I swear. It really wasn't you that I'm talking about or that Ted was referencing. It's not. <laughs> We'll have to tag. I know he follows us on uh, Twitter as well, so we'll have to tag him in this episode post when it goes up. <laughs> on this episode, we don't talk about John. <laughs> Seriously, it's not John. <laughs> we talk about everybody else, not not even everybody else. No, that's incorrect as well. <laughs> we talk about nameless people that are not John. They're completely hypothetical because, yeah, like I said, I, that's why I said, like as a parent, I'm probably going to have to deal with this, and I haven't really. But yeah, <laughs> I, um, I, I, over in the I, before I dig myself any further into a hole. Go ahead. I, I was going to say I forget where we were at. <laughs> oh, we're now we're in, in Jerry's apartment again. Okay. And late, it's later that day, and I loved Morty's take on impressionist painting. He's like they were obviously painting without their glasses, <laughs> uh, which I think is hilarious. You know, I mean, he he totally glosses over the name impression. That's why they were called impressionists. Because they just give you kind of an impression of you know what at least that's my that's always been my understanding is that it's not photographic picture perfect painting which I've seen as well pulled off very well but you know it, it it I love the fact that he was he's like it's all blurry they weren't wearing their glasses when they were painting anybody could do it uh, I thought that was uh, just hilarious and then Jerry spouts this line talking about impressionists he's like there's Monet Manet tippy tippy day day yeah what what in the hell is that. <laughs> I hated it. Uh, it. It didn't. It definitely didn't make any sense. Uh, I, I don't know. No. I might have to put it down. Maybe it's. I'm. I'm guarantee it's probably the name of a ventriloquist dummy from the 1930s. What? Once Tip, again. Tippy, so. tippy tippy day day. Bingo. Yeah. 
Let me let me well, mark so that I'm up. gonna I'm gonna do more research on that. Yep, we're gonna find out what that is. And if it if it's actually just nonsense, I'm gonna be even more upset. Oh yeah, it'll end up being like uh what did um what did uh Phil Totola say to uh what was the guy in the hospital? Uh, oh, night train, butrain, full train, or whatever. Full night, night, uh, uh, night, night, night train. <laughs> you butane, had it. You had it. Uh, s- something butane night train, and both of us were just like, "What the hell is he talking about? <laughs> is, is he just saying yeah. words to say something?" Yeah. Right. Yeah. No idea. It could be. It could have just been something he called Fulton every single time he saw him, but we didn't. We weren't in on their little inside joke nickname. <laughs> Uh, Rachel calls uh, Jerry back finally right as his parents have walked in and you know Jerry's like oh no uh, they're back and um, I loved Helen's completely oblivious line here where she's like Jerry if you have something to do we'll just sit right here and read (laughs) 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 like like what he has to do is get laid so it's funny like no Jerry bring her over go into the bedroom we'll sit out here and read like maybe it wasn't even completely oblivious she's just comfortable with her son as a sexual being in his late 30s whatever <laughs> and i just i i just thought I, i'm it's probably more tipping towards jerry if you have something to do we, don't worry about entertaining us we can just sit here and read like yeah i don't you know I, I don't know if she was <laughs> uh she was saying yeah come over here and have sex with her we'll just sit out here and listen to you guys uh it, it's, yeah, it's yeah. probably it's probably it probably wasn't <laughs> it's probably like you just saying uh yeah go out hang out with her not fi- not thinking anything sexual you know yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe even that he was going to go out. Yeah, don't worry about going. Yeah, and like, no, nah, that's that's okay. Kramer comes in, and he his reaction to Aaron, who is also there, um, his reaction to Aaron is just hilarious. He like backs up with his entire body into the refrigerator when Aaron starts <laughs> close talking to him, and it's just hilarious. And Kramer, he even falls over too. Like he hits the he hits the yeah. refrigerator, and he just <laughs> tumbles into the kitchen. Yeah. And Kramer is also wearing the executive, which is a beltless trench coat that Morty invented uh, that he has boxes of in Florida that Kramer is like, well, these, oh my gosh, Rudy loves getting these in because they're so rare and people love them. And he was like, we can definitely, you know, make a killing on them. And Kramer said he'll sell them for 25% of the profits. Yeah, but uh, it would require Jack Clumpus to send them because obviously like Morty and Helen can't get them themselves. So I forget, who is it that gets a hold of Jack? to send them i i don't think it's right here that they call I, him but it's just the idea is hatched yes yeah it's and it's morty who's saying that jack can you know jack can get all this done in the time before the seinfelds have to catch a plane yeah for their charter tour so it's not like oh we can just push the flight and you know the hotel will just you know it's like no they're, they're going on a tour with a group that is going to be traveling together so <laughs> if they miss this flight the stakes are even higher over at Monk's, George is telling the Paris story to Alec about why he can't be a part of the Big Brother program. I thought this was hilarious. You know, uh, I forget how it comes up where he's staying, but he was like, oh, an apartment complex, the Eiffel Towers. Oh, my gosh. That was so stupid, but so funny. I love that. I mean, it's like such it's almost like very New York humor, too, because everything is like the blank towers there, yeah. you know, yeah. any any apartment, every apartment building is called the towers. So the fact that like the French would stoop as low to make a pun called the Eiffel Tower of, you know, to call an apartment building the Eiffel <laughs> Towers is just hilarious. It, it was saying at the Eiffel Towers. Yeah, it, it was really well done. Um, did, did you did you catch uh, on the on the exterior of monks? This is uh, possibly the first time that we've seen the letters T O M S 
on the actual exterior of Monk's, uh, of the restaurant. You can clearly see Tom's Restaurant, but the letters T-O-M-S are either supposed to be burnt out or they were digitally dimmed. Huh. No, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I totally didn't notice that. I noticed yeah. it was a, a different exterior shot. But I didn't notice the toms. Yeah, you you can clearly maybe it's because like I'm I'm looking for it, and it, obviously like if you're not paying attention in like the two second B roll of the exterior, you're just gonna see restaurant. But if you're looking for Tom's restaurant, you can clearly see the outline of T O M S. Hmm. Wow. No, I I did not notice that. Yeah, it's always weird. They never really address that it's toms and and monks at the same time. Mm-hmm. They're just like whatever, you know. <laughs> just. Just go with it. Yeah, I mean, it could be um, it could be like and, a, a yeah. scenario where like it used to be a Tom's restaurant. Tom's closed down, and Monks bought it, and they just didn't want to replace the neon on the outside. You know? Yeah, yeah. Why spend the money? Exactly. It's the restaurant. Come on in. <laughs> uh, what Alec is like? Well, this is fantastic. Not the reaction that George was <laughs> expecting, because, but here's why. Alec said they've been trying to reunite Joey with his father, who lives in Paris. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and so over at elaine's uh she's in bed with aaron and aaron is just beaming about his day with the seinfelds and you know like just reminiscing already like oh that morty is so funny and helen is you know he's like just just raving about <laughs> them and how much he enjoyed <laughs> his day out and elaine is just still confused about how he could have fun with somebody <laughs> else's parents that he doesn't even really know that well he doesn't even know jerry that well yeah and he spent a whole day with and his had a parents. blast with his parents. It, it's troubling. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he, I, I forget like how he justifies this. If this is him like coming back to Elaine, but he says, "Well, they did buy me a Coke." Well, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was what was that in reference to? I don't. I, I think it was something about, you know, how he was. You know, it didn't get any money for it or anything like that. Maybe there was nothing in it for him. Oh, that's right. <laughs> except this Coke. I, you know, well, they did buy me a Coke. You know, like he went out of his way. <laughs> to get them, you know, behind the scenes of this museum and stuff like that. And, and he got a Coke for it. So <laughs> like that confuses Elaine even more. Cause like, why would you do something for somebody if you don't get anything material out of it? And it's like, he just, you know, it just loves helping people. You know I mean? He, the, the feeling of that satisfaction is just alien to the gang, <laughs> you know, doing, doing nice things for people just for the sake of doing nice things. Yeah. It's like, what? You're not getting anything out of it. No, I am. I'm getting satisfaction of being a good human out of it. No, but you're not getting like anything out of it. <laughs> <laughs> you're not getting like anything material out of it. You're not getting money, or yeah, yeah. or they're not giving you anything. Physically. Or even an, or even a personal advantage. Like there's yeah. no reason, you know, like <laughs> a, a, a good reference on a job interview or something. You know, like there's nothing in it for you except the satisfaction of being a good human. I don't understand. <laughs> Back at Jerry's apartment, they're reliving the story of the executive. Uh, Jer- uh, Morty is telling, I guess, Kramer and everybody uh, about how he came up with the idea for the beltless raincoat. And it's about Jerry had, uh, what did he do, break a toy or something like that? Or, or Morty stepped on one of his toys? Yeah, that, that was when it. When he came home and he, yeah, he removed the belt from his uh, raincoat to kind of scare Jerry. But then he caught him <laughs> a glimpse of himself in the mirror. He cut off the belt loops and the next day the executive was born. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, a, a good old, uh, yeah. a good old uh, attempted child abuse story. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. The, that led to fashion greatness. Exactly. Yeah, well, I took my belt out to scare him. I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it, it's not like these weren't the norm even in the 90s, let alone the uh, what would have been the the 70s, probably. 
May, yeah. may, maybe the like Beltless. maybe the sixties. You mean beltless uh, raincoats, trench coats? No, oh no, I'm talking about like uh, like stories of like like clearly open child oh. abuse. Like, well, yeah, I was yeah, I was yeah. gonna hit Jerry uh, as as a little kid because <laughs> I stepped on one of his coats or I stepped on one of his toys. Uh, but I mean, th- like I said, this was even the norm in the '90s. Yeah, yeah, it's no one flinches. Uh, when he says that, um, <laughs> it comes out that uh, I think his mom asked or whatever. Jerry still hasn't seen Schindler's List, which obviously was huge in '94. I mean, mm-hmm. this was uh, this was a phenomenon, you know. Uh, and Jack Klompas calls in this scene. I guess is this where he calls? Uh, yeah, I wrote his well, name down. Anyway. Morty, Morty tries and calls him again, and he he picks up this time. Oh yeah, yeah. And so he explains him about you know he's got to get the key, get the raincoats, send him super fast shipping to New York City. Jack is uh, is not pleased with getting this chore, and his wife is even less less pleased than Morty <laughs> is is giving Jack this chore. Yeah, but uh, I, I guess he pretty much agreed to do it in this scene. The the thing that I thought was funny was like Jack Columbus knows about the executive raincoats in uh in Morty's garage because he even says you're gonna sell those old crappy raincoats because he he knows <laughs> yeah. that it was a failed fashion statement. Uh, however long ago, I don't know how long they've been in in Morty's garage, but even Jack Klompus knows about them. Yeah, yeah, because it's probably. I mean, Morty has a story about their invention, and he has a you know a story about why they're there. You know, I mean, yeah. so it must have been something is, that is he's told you know multiple times. Oh, everybody, yeah, m- in, multiple times to everybody. Yeah, to everybody. Is, yeah. Is this where we? Because he still thinks it's a great idea. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Is this where we get Jack Klompus talking to Jerry about the astronaut pen? Yes, he because when Jerry picks up, because when Jack calls, I believe it is he's like, I still have that pen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, I should have taken it. The right's upside down. <laughs> yeah, a pretty good, another good callback, another good callback. Uh, over at George's, they're talking about the Seinfelds again about how they're not over there for dinner, but Frank has become inspired by the Seinfelds to take a vacation. They're they're going to go on a cruise, and George is psyched about this he's like yes a nice long cruise oh my gosh his parents would be out of town (laughs) for who knows how long this is ecstatic to george uh and the mom uh estelle pipes up and says she heard george in the attic wants to know what george is doing in the attic the other day and george is like um uh, i i wasn't up there maybe it was a mouse and upon hearing that frank freaks out immediately and says they're moving (laughs) he won't be lived he won't live with an infestation of mice and Uh, and i like i think yeah. No, I, I think you were just going to say the same thing I was. What Estelle says back to him? Yeah, yeah. Like, immediately after Frank's freak out, Estelle, not even looking up at him, she's just like, that's enough, Frank. <laughs> yeah. That was great. <laughs> that's enough. All right. <laughs> <laughs> when we when we cut to Rudy's in the next scene, this is what I was alluding to. Uh, we get more of that 70s era b-roll like it's not this bad in any other shot of the entire episode but this is it's something else here like it's super blurry you can clearly tell the people in the b-roll are not from the 1990s uh it's it's bad and you can clearly tell that it's not called rudy's that they have like plastered rudy's in in as as close to the font as they could but it, (laughs) it looks very new and clear and where it says antique boutique is very blurry, so you could tell they just like posted, they just pasted the name Rudy's uh, on there uh, after the fact, you know. I I didn't even catch it was, it was that. Wow, obvious. I didn't even catch oh, no, that. Yeah, no, I, I can see it. Yeah, very clearly. I'm gonna have to go back and look uh, at that. That it was 
yeah, completely two different colors, two different times, you know. But Antique Boutique was a real place at 714 Broadway. The uh, the address is, is right there, and it is closed now. There's some pretty funny reviews, though, on Yelp that I found. Um, one is pretty scathing from 05, which basically calls it an overpriced thrift store and <laughs> compares it like, oh, if you want to do it, it's a such a weird review because it's like, if you want to do some real shopping and find some real good clothes, go to the Goodwills in Toronto, Canada. I'm like, what, what a weird specific what a specific burn <laughs> like on oh don't go to don't go to the antique boutique go to the goodwill stores in toronto what okay it, it, it's almost right. like it's almost like that guy is the store manager of a goodwill in toronto it's like if you if you want some good stuff go to one of the, one of the goodwills in toronto specifically the one at 5467 west 54th <laughs> street they're open monday to friday 9 a.m to 5 p.m just ask for marty yeah it was it was really weird and then there's kind of another fun review of the antique boutique from a guy who's like i uh, used to um i think he said he used to work security there and he's like but i got five because I take too many breaks. I used to jump on the train and go see my girl. It gets really weird and nostalgic. It's like ah, I used to, you know, go see my girlfriend. She lived here, and like this, I'm like, it's this isn't about. It's about how he got fired from his job because he he took off to see his girlfriend too many times. Like, oh my lord! But it, it read kind of like a fun, nostalgic old New York romp. You know, like, it, you know it references like very specific geography. I, I forget. He's like talks about a, a specific train he used to jump on. I, I don't know. It was uh, it was it was kind of enjoyable. If you if you need some good reading, check out the reviews of the antique boutique. Uh, but it, it's it's closed now. I can't tell when, but obviously uh. it was still open in 05 because that guy was pissed about it being an overpriced thrift store. Uh, but George is there selling his clothes. Rudy's not too interested. Uh, he gives him the the Rick runaround, saying, uh, "Best I could do is two hundred. <laughs> Best I can do for three boxes is two hundred. Uh, and George talks him up you know george is being kind of melancholy like indicating because kramer said that like they only buy the clothes from dead people like widows come in and sell their husband's clothes Mm -hmm. and george is like what if the what if the mom is dead too he's like well i guess the children would do it and george was like okay so he's kind of has to pretend (laughs) that his dad is dead yeah which is kind of a weird like i'm guessing that rudy will buy any clothes whatsoever he won't go oh where'd you get these they better be from a dead guy it's it's a really weird caveat Yeah, I'm sure that's most of Rudy's business. Yeah, these clothes better belong to someone who's not alive anymore. Yeah, yeah, just just really weird. Like, what if I found them at a thrift store in Toronto? Now I'm reselling them to you. You know, maybe that's my business model. You know, maybe I found them at the Goodwill in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. So uh, George, like, but George is being very melancholy about how his father has passed away, uh, and says, "Can you do 225? That was his high game in bowling." And Rudy does go up. To 225. Because he's uh, in a nice He's in a nice mood. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Rudy's in a good mood. Kramer comes in and he tells George about the raincoat deal uh, that he, you know, made this raincoat deal over dinner with the Seinfelds. And George is like, wait, wait. Because last night he said they had plans Mm -hmm. and that's why they weren't eating with the the Costanzas. So he's like, what do you mean you over dinner? This was like something you guys planned out. And Kramer's like, no, the spur of the moment thing. (laughs) So completely blowing up, you know, the Seinfeld spot. Whereas, like, also, George goes to great pains to tell, make sure Kramer knows his angle, saying, I'm selling some of Dad's clothes. It's what he would have wanted. Something yeah. like that to indicate that, <laughs> you know, Kramer shouldn't blow George's angle. But, you know, no one, you know, no one had told Kramer that they were ditching the, the, the Costanzas. So, so George is, like, now knows that the, that the Seinfelds didn't have any plans and they're avoiding dinner mm-hmm. with the Costanzas. Kramer walks up to the counter and all of Frank's clothes are still there. And I think the boxes say Cabana Wear on them which will come up later oh but, yeah uh, okay i was wondering yeah. what i was wondering what the boxes said that makes perfect sense 
And Kramer buys two of Frank's shirts for twenty five bucks. Oh, so yeah. already Rudy has made <laughs> back what he, you know what George squeezed out of him. Yeah, because uh, Kramer sees him on the counter, and Rudy's like, "Oh yeah, these uh, these just came in. They're uh, the springtime cruise collection." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Rudy is uh, very interested in the raincoats. Tell- Kramer mentions, you know, hey, if I can get more of these, Rudy is, is very interested. And uh, while they're finishing up their conversations, the moths fly out of Frank's boxes that were from the attic. Oh, no. Back in Jerry's apartment, George comes in, both guns blazing, completely angry about his uh, about Jerry's parents giving his parents the slip regarding dinner and saying I had plans and blah, blah, blah. And he wants them over tonight and um, uh, I forget, uh, is this where it is? Yeah, Jerry, is this where Jerry's like, he was like, do they not like my parents or something like that? <laughs> no, I think it comes later. Uh, Doesn't that come later? No, I, actually, I think that I think that's right here. I, I think George, uh, he said. It is right here. Yeah, he's like, do they not like my parents? And Jerry, even point blank, he's just like, no, they don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, they don't. They don't want to spend time with them? No, they don't. <laughs> something like that. He's like, one more thing. Will your parents take a little kid to Paris? Uh, and... <laughs> Jerry's like, you know, can't even believe that he would. And I love this line from George. If it's too much, they don't. If it's too much, they don't have to mail the postcards. <laughs> like that would be the difficult task. Yeah, of that, the two. That, that's the thing that puts this over the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, fine. They don't have to mail the postcards. Just take this little kid to Paris. <laughs> uh, over at over at Pendant, Elaine is describing this great date she has set up with Aaron, and he comes in, and you know, whoever the employee that. Uh, the pendant employee that Elaine was describing the day to is like, just like, oh man, Aaron sounds so great. And Aaron comes in and he passionately kisses Elaine. And then in comes Morty and Helen. And he <laughs> was able to scrounge up two extra tickets to go see My Fair Lady. And they're going to make it, make it a day with them. And Elaine is like, just stunned, uh, annoyed silence. Yeah. And, and I loved Morty's uh, just like perfect. I mean, in. 2020 we would call this like the perfect like uh boomer behavior but i mean in 1994 it's just like dad or grandpa behavior it's like oh this is a nice office what's the square footage of this I'm like i don't i don't know like oh yeah I, I used to i used to do business with somebody in this building his name was this whatever happened to him there used to be a deli on the first floor whatever happened to that deli like i don't know <laughs> yeah, reminiscing well, about like what? Why things would, that haven't been around in fifty years? Yeah, like why would I know what happened to the deli in in <laughs> on the first floor? <laughs> and it really is just setting up. It, it really is setting up for us what Elaine is going to be going through all day <laughs> with the Seinfelds. <laughs> it's just going to be that all day. Uh, and with the date gets going, uh, we cut to a great shot of Caroline's, an institution, uh, a comedy club in Times Square that's been there. Uh, it's been in New York forever. I think it moved to Times Square. Well, I know it did because I looked it up, 1992. So it had only been in, in Times Square for a couple of years at this point. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's still there to this day. And, and Caroline's has been uh, there forever. And in the background, you see, not My Fair Lady, you see the Winter Garden Theater, which is playing Cats as it did hmm. for 7,397 shows. Ooh. Almost 18 years there at that same theater, the Winter Garden Theater, closed uh, in September of 2000. But uh, just kind of another... Uh, if, if, I guess that's kind of my kind of like boomer trivia, right? There. Wow. It, <laughs> hey, well, Cats used to be at the Winter Garden. How many shows did that do? When did it close? <laughs> 18 years of shows and one awful movie. <laughs> I cannot wait because I, I love the show so much. I can't wait to see the movie. But I'm like, what could be so bad about it? What do you expect? You know, I mean, it's like it's singing Cats. It's weird. 
So I like can't wait to see what people hated about it. If I'm going to hate it, or if if you liked the show, if you went in and and liked it, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I I I never saw it. I I probably would watch it if it's on like cable or or, yeah. or like I got the rental for free or something. But other than that, yeah, I yeah. really don't have much desire to see it. I'm wondering if the same people that hated the movie Cats, I'm guessing it's the same people who were not familiar with the Broadway show, but would have done the exact same thing if they'd seen it. Like, what the hell is this? Cats are dressed up. People dress up as cats and they're saying about, <laughs> this is this is stupid. Like, I, I think there's just a, a group of people that think that's stupid. And like, when they maybe, saw this movie, maybe, maybe they didn't even know it was a Broadway show. And they were like, well, this is dumb and it looks weird. <laughs> Like yeah, that's cats. That's definitely you a either possi- like it or you don't. That's definitely a possibility. <laughs> wow, I I didn't I didn't even think of that. Like people who never yeah. heard of the musical, ne- never heard of the of the Broadway spectacle, they just know of it as the movie. Yeah, yeah, and they're like, it, it is what it is. Like if you don't like that, you you wouldn't like cats. You know, <laughs> <laughs> if, if you don't like weird stuff, like people dressed up as cats and singing about going to cat heaven or whatever the hell it's about uh, then you're not gonna like it so. <laughs> but i don't know whose fault that is oh uh, so we're inside the theater at my fair lady and morty is eating during it uh and the music uh, from my fair lady i could have danced all night is playing through this whole little montage so morty's eating during my fair lady you know making a candy rustling noise during a broadway show obviously a huge <laughs> faux pas at uh cafe this it looks like cafe 123 when i googled yep. it though but i found out it's actually Cafe de Trois. Ooh, okay. Yeah. It, it's the, but the sign does say Cafe One Two Three, so I, it, it's just pronounced de Trois for for the, the French, yeah yeah French numbers. The French, yeah, bingo, yeah. yeah. So and it is still at. It's been there forever. Been there since 1977 at 123 West 44th Street. And I, I got to look at the menu, and you know, for for something like basically on Broadway in Times Square, mm-hmm. it's not. As pricey as you might think. I mean, really? like a salmon's going to be like 32 bucks. The steak frites is 36 A burger's going to be 18 I'm like, this isn't exorbitant for Broadway crowd in New York City. You know, I mean, that's yeah, kind really. of affordable. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, so. last, last time Grace and I were in New York, we went with uh, a friend who lives there. Uh, and we, we found this one place like towards the end of the day. We were just kind of hungry, but we found like a place that had some appetizers and Seriously, like the prices were like Friday's level. Like it was super affordable. Nice. Yeah. I, I was surprised to find that about Cafe Un de Trois, <laughs> considering, you know, you can pretty much gouge the theater crowd for as much as you want. Oh, my it's, God. A, yeah. it's probably all tourists, and they, they've already bought Broadway tickets, so you know they got money. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morty, though, and the restaurant is pointing out a, I think it's a Monet picture. It's definitely an impressionist picture. And he's explaining to Elaine his theory about how they painted without their glasses. You can kind of tell. <laughs> And she's very annoyed by that. Meanwhile, Aaron and Helen are just like wrapped in conversation with each other, just loving every minute of whatever they're talking about. (laughs) Cut to George getting in a cab in Central Park. And he sees this was such a hilarious shot. He sees the Seinfelds and Elaine and Aaron on a carriage ride through Central Park, which is just another hilarious, like touristy thing to do. And the fact that and, and also very romantic. So the fact that like. (laughs) <laughs> Elaine and Aaron were on a carriage ride, but the Seinfelds are there. Is like, you know, Elaine is hating life. But George is also pissed that he now saw that the reason they're not at his parents for the second night in a row is because they're out with Elaine and Aaron. <laughs> Over in Jerry's apartment, Jerry and Rachel are making out hardcore, and Jerry's like kind of pulling away. Like he's like, "We better not," and stuff oh like my that. God. Like, they could yeah. be home in any minute. Yeah, Jerry. <laughs> 
it, Jerry's, what, 30, 38, 37, 38, and he finally gets to kiss yeah. his girlfriend. Uh, my- yeah, but she's obviously, take, like, she's on top of him. She's trying to take it too far. Like, the last thing his parents want to see when they walk in, the last thing he wants them to see is them, you know, banging on the couch. True. But, like, here's my question. We've pointed this out many, 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 many times. Money is no object to Jerry Seinfeld. Why does he not get a hotel room? <laughs> Why For his parents or just to bang Rachel? Just to bang Rachel. <laughs> Maybe that we know also Jerry is like, you know, um, that seems very seedy. That seems too seedy for Jerry. You know what I mean? I, I guess. But like, it's not like you even need to sleep there. Just get the hotel room. No. For, just get the hotel room for three days. Go out for <laughs> dinner with George to monks or something and just go to the hotel and like have sex with Rachel. That That's it. <laughs> I, I don't, I think it would have been smarter for him to get a hotel room for his parents. I, I guess. Yes. But then again, I, I could see him getting the hotel room for himself because he wants to feel like the good son. He wants to feel like, mm-hmm. Uh, he, he wants to put his parents at ease so they're just staying in his apartment and not having to deal with a hotel. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, we're overlooking another uh, interesting point about Jerry Seinfeld living in New York City. He's one of the few people that has a car in the city. <laughs> yeah, you're right. So there's another that, that's like a free moving hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> and there are plenty of alleys in New York City. Um, so you, you gotta be. You, you, you take you take that car into an alleyway, and oh boy, yeah, it, it's it's like a, it's an instant yep. private hotel room. Yep, there it is. <laughs> so there was there was lots of uh, Jesus, lots of ways that Jerry could have gotten this done, and his parents do come home pretty much right away. So it's a good thing they hadn't gotten too far with whatever they were doing, and they try to excuse themselves again, you know, because they can see that Jerry has company or whatever, and now they're going to go out, he's, and, and Jerry's dad is like, oh, we'll just go out, and, we'll go out and drive around. He's like, you don't have a car. He's like, we'll take a bus. <laughs> we'll just ride the bus around. Like, they're being super nice to, like, you know, let their son have some privacy, but yeah. Jerry's like, yeah, come on, you know, but, guys, but, you guys are here, you're going to stay. Yeah, this is another thing, like, they offer to leave. They, they clearly know Jerry is yeah. a grown adult. He has a woman over. They offer to leave, and Jerry declines. Because, I mean, there would be some guilt involved there, I'd imagine. Like, you know, I I don't get to see actually see and spend time with my parents very often, so I'm going (laughs) to send them out on a New York City bus just so I can get some action. Like, you know... (laughs) It'll, they'll be gone in a few days or whatever. Like, oh, that, that would make me feel guilty if I was like, you know, if I didn't have to do something. If I was like, I'm going to go out with my friends and my parents were like up visiting for <laughs> That's some true. reason. You That's know? true. Rachel is the one ex- that excuses herself. And Jerry mentions to her, oh, so we'll go see we'll go see Schindler's List later. Uh, and she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. So they have those plans. Uh, their parents talk about the great day they had with Aaron. They saw Regis getting out of a limo. <laughs> Regis Philbin. So that's that was amazing. Uh, Jack calls. Oh, and this is where Jack Klompas calls. So the dad just called Jack Klompas earlier, and this is where Jack calls and says that he still got that pen. That's oh, where I have it in my notes. Oh, okay. You got that yep. pen. Yep. This is, the, this is the first we hear from Jack Klompas in the episode, right? Actually, now I'm thinking it's the second time because this is where he says he can't get in the garage. Oh, so yeah, you're right. He, you know, it, this is the first time he's talked to Jerry. This is the first time Jerry is picked up. Yeah. Because before, uh, Morty called him, so... He can't get in the garage, though, and they talk about the key and having to jiggle it and stuff like that, and so the boxes now aren't due until Thursday morning, and the Seinfeld's plane is leaving at 3 uh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Mm -hmm. and the mom is worried that they're going to miss the plane, 
Jerry is maybe even more worried that they're going to miss the plane and he's going to have to spend one more day with his parents uh, in town. <laughs> one thing yeah. before we leave this scene, Jack Columbus's wife, is this Susan Sarandon? It is not, but <laughs> I guess I could see it kind of looking like her. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, may- <laughs> that'd be amazing. <laughs> that'd be that'd be an incredible, like, uncredited cameo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. That would have been that would have been cool, but no, it's not. I, I can see it though with the hair and everything. Okay, <laughs> I I just caught it like <laughs> a, a glimpse. I'm like, wait, it, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Over at George's, he's telling his parents about the Seinfelds, and everybody is very upset. I like this. Uh, you know, everyone's body language is kind of the same in the scene, especially when I think his mom is saying, what did we ever do to them? And stuff like that. Like, they're moving their hands in the very same way. And every- everyone's really upset at the Seinfelds over this. Uh, Frank <laughs> breaks the news, though, that they're taking a cruise, uh, but Frank can't find his vacation clothes that were up in the attic. <laughs> and George is like, oh, no, because I sold those, mm-hmm. and now my dad might not be going on a cruise. Uh, in the meantime, Frank screams because he sees a mouse, and he jumps up, and he runs into this little parlor room that's in the back of the uh, Costanza's living room, and uh, it's the remote control. George is like, it's the remote and Frank yells, you know, where are my clothes? Cut to Rudy in the alley burning all of Frank's cabana wear because of the moths. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he even says, like, lousy moth-ridden crap. Yeah. Has has Rudy been in something uh, else that, in Seinfeld? Because he looks familiar from the show, not just from something oh. else that I've seen. I was going to say, he was the dad in Camp Rock. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, by the way, that is my go-to Disney show reference is Camp Rock. Like, I don't know. I could go Wizards of Waverly. I could go Sweet Life, but I, I, Camp Rock is always the first one top of mind. Uh, no, but, I mean, the actor has been in a ton of stuff. Okay. But, but Seinfeld specifically, I don't know. Okay. He, he might not have been, but for some reason he just looked familiar uh, from something in Seinfeld, I, I could literally just be thinking of him from some other role that he was in. I don't, I don't know, I don't know who yeah, it is yeah, or what he was in, though. Well, we'll do, we'll do a deep dive on uh, what is his name, Michael G. Haggerty. Uh, we'll do a Michael G. Haggerty deep dive on the next episode. Because <laughs> yeah, he's he's just one of those character actors that's that's in a lot of stuff. Um, okay, so do you think this is where the episode break was? If you were watching it in syndication, because we have another stand-up bit here that's technically kind of in the middle of the episode. Uh, it might be, but like this is. Uh, I, I remember looking at looking at it on Hulu after the stand-up bit yeah. is like twenty-five minutes. So there's only like eighteen minutes of content left in in the double episode. So. If this is where the episode break, I mean, it definitely makes sense, and it, it probably is where it was. Uh, but the it, only eighteen minutes of content in the next thirty minutes that you're going to see is a lot of commercials mm-hmm. for a thirty minute uh, sitcom. Yeah, so maybe it. Well, you, you mentioned it was episode eighteen and nineteen. I, I wonder if it was. I mean, we're we're pretty certain it was run all in one night, mm-hmm. right? Um. M- yeah. So maybe. maybe it was yeah. Just, I. But it, so maybe it was run as an hour-long show, and this is just where they decided to. Because every so often, like we haven't seen it in a long time, but we will get a stand-up bit in the middle of an episode. Yeah. And uh, what 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 I'm thinking is it probably did air uh, as one episode, but whenever it's split up on like TBS or something, the the episode break. Yeah. You, you're probably right. The episode break is after this stand-up bit. I would assume. Um. But man, you I mean, w- before the stand-up bit, mm. this is like the first stand up it you'd see if you watched it maybe but like 
the stand-up bit like plays, at the beginning of an episode. The, the stand-up bit plays into the vintage clothes, which would make sense. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, we're we're still going to be dealing a lot with Rudy's in the next episode, but it it plays more into well, what we, we just saw. Yeah. Uh, then again, it, it yeah, could, it could be know. it could be setting the scene for the next episode. You're right. Because yeah, I mean, if if the stand up it was a part of that first episode, that means the next episode is like 17 or 16 minutes, right? Um, content. No, if if the stand up bit is part of the uh, second episode, then it would be probably like 19 oh, minutes. Oh, oh, then we got 19 or 20 minutes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I guess that I guess yeah, that does yeah. make a little more sense that it would episode one. Uh, in syndication, episode one end with Rudy burning Frank's clothes. Episode two begin with Jerry's stand-up bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the stand-up bit is about vintage clothes, like you mentioned, or what Jerry Seinfeld calls them, nasty wear, uh, <laughs> and how he would never put on a you know a weird pair of pants and, and wear vintage <laughs> clothes and stuff like that. A little bit more out of touch because you know a, a, a decade or two later, you know, thrifting would become oh very popular God, again yeah. thanks to Macklemore. Yeah. That but and- all throughout college, like all from like ninety nine, well, and I'd say like from ninety eight, ninety seven to you know whenever I graduated college, like mm-hmm. I loved going to thrift stores and finding clothes. I still have some awesome like vintage style, you know, I'd say Kramer style shirts that I loved, <laughs> that I still love. Yeah, yeah, I, I found some, I found some good stuff at like thrift shops and vintage shops. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I did like. I, I have did- a, an awesome like yeah. I, I did like Jerry's line here about like men throwing out underwear uh, because this is oh yeah this is very reminiscent to what I will do with my underwear I will wear them <laughs> until the elastic does not work anymore like I'll stretch them out <laughs> and they will not shrink back together yeah yeah that ala- that that one time you pull it and the elastic makes that crackling sound yes. you're like oh no it <laughs> it just died <laughs> in my hands I, I, I've I've got a pair in my dresser right now that are just like this. <laughs> yeah i'm the same way i have oh man my boxers go back yeah maybe a decade <laughs> or so i've got boxers that have been around a long time and that's what jerry says yeah he was like you can't find used underwear not because we wouldn't sell it you can't find it because it just doesn't exist because men wear underwear until it disintegrates essentially he says <laughs> uh we, we get a rare stutter from seinfeld that they left in where he starts saying until but it, it like kind of um morphs in with the word underwear or something like that and he says on terror hmm. and then he, he has to like go back and, and say yeah like we've we never really hear seinfeld fumble over his words like that uh so i thought it was kind of interesting what is what does he end up that saying they just kind of like left that what, in. what is how does he say it do you remember he's like men wear it until until you know he just kind of has to go back and say the word huh. until again because he he yeah he he fumbled over it the first time I yeah did, i know I it, didn't it, even it catch rarely that. happens wow yeah um, and he, he says until they turn into underwear vapor and that you just can open a window and just blow the underwear out the window. That's how, they get, <laughs> that's how men throw it out, which what is a, very relatable. What very a, true. What was it that you were saying that you found at a thrift shop? Oh, uh, like a cool like leather blazer that I used to wear oh. out like constantly. Oh, uh, hell yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And and I, I still have it. And then another one I got somewhere and I saw a dude wearing a leather blazer yesterday and I was like, Oh shit! Leather blazers are back, and so I might have to start. And I want to thank Quentin Tarantino for that. I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had had a lot to do with that. So I think it might be time for me to start breaking that out again. Hell yeah! You still have it? Oh yeah! Oh, oh yeah! Nice. You don't throw out a leather blazer that cherry. You just like like Frank says. Uh, I think later on in this episode, fashion is cyclical. You have got to hold on to it and strike when the iron heats back up, as it were. So we open at the Regency Cineplex Odeon. 
which was at 1987 Broadway. Jeez, it opened okay. as the Alden <laughs> Theater in 1931. How about that? Whoa, 1931? Yeah. Damn, okay. I know. Uh, and then it closed as the Regency in February of 1999. So you oh. only had about five more years when this episode aired Man, to enjoy it, a movie at the Regency Cineplex. Yeah. Did you see, like, is it is it open again today as something else, or is it just kind of vacant? Yeah, well, I, it used to be a... Um, Victoria's Secret, but then I w- looked at Street View, and there's no Victoria's Secret there anymore. Aww. So it looks like it might have been made into an office building or something. I couldn't really tell. Um, it was one screen, 600 seats. Uh, oh no, I'm sorry, I did write down what it is now. It's the Apple Store. Are you yeah. fucking? I think the whole block me? was raised. No, and it's the Upper West Side Apple Store. That's like that. It's like a glass, that all glass sort of, not like the the freestanding square, but like it, it's all glass and God. attached to another building. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the good news is, uh, well, the bad news for the Regency Cineplex Odeon was that right across the street, AMC opened the Lincoln Square Cinema or something like that, which was a, a huge megaplex. And after that, you know, the, the Regency survived as long as it could with its one screen and 600 seats showing like indie films and stuff. Mm-hmm. But it just couldn't keep up with the, you know, the, the blockbusters that were showing literally right across the street. Like when you go to 187 Broadway and see the Apple Store, turn around, you'll see that AMC that, that is, is still there from, you know, it, I guess it's been there since 98 or 99. Uh, a lot of information there on the Regency Cineplex Odeon. <laughs> But uh, that's where Jerry and Rachel are seeing Schindler's List, as you can see on the marquee. That's what's playing there. You can hear sort of, I don't know whether this was actually, I'm guessing it's not actually sounds from Schindler's List, but it's sort of like nondescript German World War II yelling about stuff that's yeah, playing in the prob- theater. Probably. You know I, mean? <laughs> I, I doubt that they would get the rights to like use an actual clip from Schindler's List. <laughs> Yeah, it was still in theaters at this point, probably. So <laughs> if I was going to guess, I'm guessing that one of the voices is Larry David, definitely. <laughs> because probably, I thought whenever you need some ADR, probably. it's Larry David. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, hopefully we can find some info about that. But So it's like panning over the audience who was like wrapped with attention for this movie. And Jerry and Rachel are straight up making out during mm-hmm. Schindler's List. Oh, yeah. and, and the camera pans up and Newman is there and he is shaking with rage at this site. See, I this was a weird, weird bit of physical acting from from Newman because it didn't look like he was shaking from rage because he's like grinning. (laughs) And the only thing that I could literally describe it as is that he's just getting excited sexually (laughs) because he he's like grinning and he's like, like really like grinding his teeth and he's rocking back and forth. I'm like, okay, dude, just just settle. It, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think he's. If anything, maybe if not, he's angry. He's excited <laughs> about the prospect that Jerry is going to get in, that he's going to get. No, he's going to go straight and tell on Jerry. He's just going to go straight to tattle on Jerry right when the movie ends. That's true. I, can't I mean, wait. I mean, hey, we, we don't for know. Jerry maybe, to get in trouble. We haven't touched on if uh, Newman is a voyeur, so he, he might, he might be. He <laughs> might just, li- he might just like watching. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, it would, it would fit in with a lot of Kramer's kinks that have made themselves more <laughs> prevalent in the, you know, that's why maybe why they're buddies. Did, have you ever seen Schindler's List, by the way? Uh, yeah, in ninth grade, we we, we watched it in. I one had of a my, feeling it probably. Yeah, we watched it in my English class. Oh, huh, interesting. Not even history. No, I like. I, was it I part of it a lesson, in... or was it part? Was it like just movie day? I think it was part of a lesson. I I can't remember. Yeah, I, I think it was the same class that we watched uh, of mice and men in. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay. So that makes sense. Yeah, that sort of like drama. 
Mm-hmm. I watched *Of Mice and Men* in, in a drama class and like an elective that I took. Oh, really? Um, and I don't. So if if this came out in '94, I would have been in eighth grade, and I'm guessing that's when Schindler. Yeah, I mean, it had to have been in theaters at the time when this aired. So I'm just going to guess that's right. And but I I didn't see it until like NBC showed it with like limited commercial interruption once, <laughs> and that's when I saw the bulk of it. But honestly, I've I've never seen the whole thing all the way through. Oh my god! I mean, I'm it, kind of ashamed. I'm kind of ashamed I, of it. Eh, don't be. <laughs> no, I mean, I it's, I think it's an important part of I think it's an important film, and and you know it makes us you know maybe more uh maybe more relevant than ever. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Uh, these days but like it's it's a long movie isn't it yeah yeah it is yeah and and i remember nbc showed it you know so it was like network tv and obviously none of the nudity in it is salacious in any way but like they left everything you know it was an r-rated movie on tv but that's just how important of a film it was and they showed it i remember with like limited commercial interruption and and by that i mean like there was one two-minute break in the middle that had like a countdown clock and I think it just said like it just had the Ford trucks logo or something on it. It just said like Ford, and it was like Schindler's <laughs> List will return in two minutes, just to give people a chance to like go to the bathroom or whatever, you know. <laughs> so they didn't even, yeah, they they weren't even making money off of it, which was kind of cool, you know, Sh- or, or maybe whatever, whatever money they made came from Ford. I don't know. Schindler's List presented by Ford. <laughs> go to the bathroom presented by Ford. Oh no, it's like whenever. I don't know if you get these, but whenever we watch these episodes on Hulu, as soon as you pause it, need a bathroom break? Sponsored by Charmin. Or, or No, I think my Hulu app, yeah, I think my Hulu app on my smart TV doesn't have that capability, oh, so I kind of luck out. You're lucky. Like, every time I pause <laughs> it, I get a Charmin ad or a Coke ad or something. They, they, <laughs> they bought the fucking pause screen on Hulu. <laughs> Yep. Yep. Oh well, God, that's like Waze. Whenever you, whenever you're at a red light on Waze and it throws up an ad, mm. have you ever seen that? No, I don't use Waze. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, oh. Google, I'm a Google Maps boy. Yeah, I, I am too most of the time. But, but sometimes when I, you know, if I'm going on a long trip and I want to, I want to know the uh, Google Maps is doing better with speed traps. I got to say, but Waze, I think still. Uh, more users report them on Waze than they do on Google Maps. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I I'll use Waze then. And when you stop at a red light, it's like yeah, Bank of America. There's one you're or like Dunkin' what? Donuts only. And this is kind of this is kind of cool. They're like Dunkin' Donuts is you know only a five minute detour. I'm like that's pretty smart. <laughs> like you stopped at a red light. They show you some delicious Dunkin' Donuts, and then they're like it's only going to be five minutes out of the way. You're like interesting. Uh, you know, I do want some Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I I didn't know that was yeah, a thing. Yeah, they buy the red lights. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> so over at Jerry's apartment, Jerry is, you know, he comes back from the movie and he has to kind of fake to his parents that he watched it. Like they're asking these, you know, these questions to him. Like, what did you think about the black and white? And he's like, oh, the, the black and white. They're like, the whole movie's in black and white. Like, oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even notice, you know, and like <laughs> and he's got to play it off like that. Uh, because he didn't see the movie at all. Mm-hmm. Over yeah. at Rudy's, Kramer is explaining the delay with the raincoats, and George comes in to buy back some of his father's clothes, and George invites Kramer to dinner, you know, saying, my parents made all this paella. That's one thing that we haven't brought up. The word paella keeps coming up over and over again <laughs> uh, as the dish that Estelle has made for dinner, which is now going to be like three-day-old paella by the time Kramer accepts invitation. He's excited about paella. Yeah. Say, like, for example, uh, they originally invited uh, the Seinfelds over for a Tuesday. I'm guessing uh, Estelle made it Tuesday, and then the the next day would be Wednesday when he saw the Seinfelds out with Aaron and Elaine, and so I'm guessing it's currently Thursday when uh, he invites Kramer over, you think? You think it's like two days after the original invitation? Yeah, definitely. There was was night one, night two, and this would be night three. Yeah. 
So, and then he convinces Kramer that Morty is ripping him off on the deal, like that Kramer's only getting 25%, but all Morty's doing is getting the product there, and Kramer's doing all the legwork. Yeah, for uh, real. And yeah, and, and Kramer's like, yeah, I guess you're right. I should be getting more. And then Rudy confronts George about bringing in the moth ridden clothes to his store, which could have ruined all of his, his inventory. Yeah, I mean, Rudy, Rudy even like confronts George. He's like, hey, you're the guy who brought in the moth-ridden cabana crap. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's uh, did, is this where he tells him that he burned it? That it's you know it's not around. It must have been. Uh, no, it's it's the next scene uh, because we, we go to Jerry's oh, okay. and then when we're back in Rudy's. Yeah, so in Jerry's apartment, Morty realizes he comes to the realization that he's paying Kramer too much. He's like, what is all Kramer did was find a buyer? That's a finder's fee. That's ten percent best. <laughs> And so then Kramer comes in and they start fighting about it. And Kramer says he wants 35%. And Morty's like, well, you don't deserve any more than 15% because you're not doing anything, but you just found the buyer. And Kramer says he's doing all the legwork. And so they finally decide to compromise and between 35 and 15. And they settle on the exact same 25% that Ugh. Kramer had agreed to, that everybody had agreed to in the first place. The, you didn't like this little uh, I, vaudevillian side bit here? No, <laughs> I, I, I thought it was super dumb. <laughs> It was a waste of time, but I don't know. I kind of liked it. <laughs> I, that, that's, that, I think that's just one thing that I hate about double episodes is things that just need to fill time. Because like the, the episode's yeah. already super long. Just give me stuff that matters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That It really didn't it, – it advanced the plot zero. It was just wheel spinning, but I thought it was kind of a funny exchange the way that they ended up. You know, they're so angry at each other, and then they just settle on – 25% each one thinking that it's it's a good deal now <laughs> or that they're getting or that they're taking advantage of the other person. Yeah. Oh yeah, so this is back over Rudy's now. He's laying into George about yeah. the, you know, the moth-ridden cabana crap mm-hmm. and you know about how moths can lay eggs and their larvae for years and and uh, George gives the money back. He's like, "Well, this should take care of some of my uh what is it? The um the exterminator fees or whatever." Yeah, the, the fumigation um, but, bill. Yeah. And so George gives all the money back and and he's like, okay, so where are the clothes? And Rudy's like, I burned them. So now George is out the two twenty five, and he can't even get the clothes back. But I, I did like how Rudy waited until he had the money in his hand, putting it into his pocket before he says, oh, I burned them. Rudy's not a fool. Rudy's no. a good businessman. Oh, I think yeah. that's what we're learning. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, over at Monk's, Aaron, who is 35, by the way, interesting little age drop there from hmm. Elaine, the fact that he's a 35-year-old man. Uh, having fun with the parents, and Elaine is asking if it's if it, if Jerry thinks it's weird too, because she's like he's acting like it's not weird. So what's going on here? And Jerry's like, no, it's it's certifiably nice. I, you know, I think is what Elaine says. It's certifiably nice. And Jerry's like, you're right. It's 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 insane. Then Jerry confesses to Elaine because I think she asked too that he didn't see Schindler's List. He was making out yeah, during well, Schindler's the, List. The and, way the way that he uh, admits it, he says, "quote I was kind of." Um, making out uh, which I, I thought was weird and i wrote in my notes i want to bring it up to you why is jerry literally both a 70 year old man and a seventh grader <laughs> yeah you think it was kind of like a, bra- a humble brag about making i was making yeah, out i was making out i'm like okay jerry you're 38 <laughs> <laughs> like who, by the way i love like like who cares this um yeah especially making out during like such an important movie like Sinner's <laughs> list was really i mean high up on a pedestal even in 94 people were like realized they were watching something that was very important and like i just love the fact that that this is the way they went with it it reminds me of something great from a couple of seasons of curb your enthusiasm ago larry falls asleep during hamilton 
Oh my god! He goes. He goes to see Hamilton. And he falls asleep in the theater. And I'm like, that's such a perfect way to play that, you know? Because everyone's like, <laughs> such so up on this movie, and everybody loves it. Yeah. Or the Broadway, and like, how are we going to use? How are we going to use it? You know? How are we going to take that left turn with it? And it's like, like, what's the worst thing someone could do during Schindler's List? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. How about making out? Like during <laughs> during Schindler's List? Like perfect. That's perfect. Or like, you know, what's the worst thing someone could do during Hamilton? Like, who could ever fall asleep during such a kinetic, <laughs> energetic, you know, a hot show right now? Like Larry David, that's uh, it's just I, I put it on the same level as that gag. Yeah, man, th- this just makes me think. D- despite any other show that we want to talk about, whenever we're done with Seinfeld, we're just gonna have to do Curb, aren't we? I, I think we might as well. I-, I-, I think we're just gonna have to do <laughs> Curb because, like, uh, I've never seen. Uh, I've seen like three episodes of it, and every episode I've seen is hilarious. Yeah. Oh, it's it's the funniest. Have you have you seen a few episodes of it? You've never seen like more than a few, right? No, no. I've watched all. I've watched all except the last two seasons. <laughs> so it, it'll be the same dynamic. Holy shit! Okay. <laughs> Pretty much. Wow. Yeah. No, I was watching from the beginning. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think it started when I was in college, and yeah, my it was like one of those shows that we were, you know, we were all around the TV for. All right. Well, then uh, I think we just figured out what's after Seinfeld in 2022. Yeah. So sorry, Big Bang Theory fans. You're gonna have to wait. <laughs> Man, we're just gonna have to launch a <laughs> we're, we're gonna have to launch a Patreon only show to talk about Yes, dear. Then. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, no. Curb started in 2000. So yeah, that was right. Uh, you know, when I was in college, and and yeah, I, I forget how we got a hold of HBO. Somebody must have lived off campus because we couldn't get that on on campus. I don't think. So we must have watched it somewhere else. Yeah. Oh man! But it was definitely yeah, definitely great. So, <laughs> but and there is like a Seinfeld reunion season of Curb. So I've I've heard <laughs> it, it really makes sense. It really makes sense. Uh, back in Jerry's apartment, Newman knocks on the door, and Helen gives him uh, the hello Newman, which is funny. He says hello, Mrs. Seinfeld, and she says hello Newman, just like Jerry would. So <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, and then Newman straight up snitches on Jerry that he was making out during Schindler's List. <laughs> But he says that Jerry was moving on Rachel like the stormtroopers into Poland. Was okay. <laughs> yeah. well, correct me if I'm wrong, but were, were the stormtroopers an actual like j- term for a German troop? Yes, yes, they were. Oh, okay. I thought he was just. <laughs> yeah, mi- yeah. I thought he was mixing references here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he wasn't talking about Star Wars. That always confused me too. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know if it was a specific. You know, I, I know. I don't know if it was like the SS or yeah, because even when you Google Stormtrooper, it brings up Star Wars. It doesn't bring up. I guess I have to Google Stormtroopers Nazis or or, or Google like <laughs> German Stormtrooper. Then you just get like a, a Star Wars Stormtrooper with like Hitler insignia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh. Uh, the alt right. Oh, the alt right five zero first. Oh no. <laughs> so the the Sturm the Sturmabteilung. Literally, Storm Detachment was the Nazi Party's original paramilitary ring. Whoa! It played okay. a significant role in Adolf uh, Hitler's rise to power in the twenties and thirties. Okay, so that's where the initial, yeah. So they were. It wasn't just any German soldier. I guess you just had to be a part of that paramilitary organization. Okay, and uh, I mean Helen's Helen's reaction to Newman telling her this is uh, like any old mother. She says Jerry was necking during Schindler's List. <laughs> He was necking? <laughs> Jerry was necking during Schindler's List? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. I hate it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, back in Jerry's apartment later that night, Jerry's parents are very upset with him. I mean, when he comes in, they are, 
you know, like like he'd be coming home late from curfew or something like oh, that. Yeah. Like that kind of sternness. Uh-huh. They're both like standing and just very upset with Jerry that he would have been making out. <laughs> they both like bombard him. As soon as Jerry turns around from the refrigerator, they're right next to him. Uh, but he, he says like they, they started during the coming attractions and before they knew it, the war was over. So they made out <laughs> during not only the entire movie, but during the trailers as well. So th- this is like yeah. at least three hours of making out. Easily. Yeah, let's see how long Schindler's List actually is. It's three hours and 17 minutes. So, <laughs> you know, I-, I don't think there are as many previews as there are today. And there certainly wasn't any, like, newbie commercials or any bullcrap like that. <laughs> so, yeah, let's let's say, oh, like, you, you under mean- four hours, but maybe three and a half. <laughs> you mean Maria Menounos wasn't telling people to play with their phones during a movie? <laughs> How how dare them? How dare Nuvi for not existing? I know. And and could you believe it? You used to be able to show up to... You used to uh, be able to. You used to have to show up to a movie, and you'd never see behind the scenes of how they filmed the new Cheetos ad. Wow. <laughs> I know. Or, or what's... It was com- the worst. Or what's coming up this season on TBS. Yeah. Or what, what Zoe Deschanel's favorite sundresses are. Man. Or have to play trivia of name this line from this Christmas movie, even though it's July. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was a it was a dark time, Ted. But yeah, that's easily three and a half hours. And so for a dude that is self-proclaimed backed up making making out for three and a half hours, like I don't even want to know the pain that Jerry is in right now. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, gee, I, I hope I certainly hope he's in pain. I hope it's not. I hope he didn't have a release during Schindler's List. Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I didn't want to go there, but I was like, I, I guess I have to. <laughs> eh. Oh no! Yeah, that, eh. now that would be the worst thing you could do during Schindler's List. <laughs> I'm, am I going to have to mark this episode as explicit too? <laughs> we'll see. I think I'm still okay. I think I, I'm still okay. I, I, I think I've only dropped like one or two f words, so I think we're still at like PG thirteen <laughs> level. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I said, and I said release. That was it. Yeah, and, and I never, I never, uh, but, I, I, my opening line was Jerry didn't want his parents to come because he wants to. I never said, uh, I, I never said the <laughs> the term as though Jerry like is in the act of d- d- that. Uh, so I, th- I think true. we're still at PG thirteen level. Yeah, we're looking good. We're looking good. <laughs> uh, now, oh well, Jack Klompas calls uh, in the meantime, and he broke. A window. He still couldn't get the key to work, so he broke a window and he cut his hand opening the door. And now the packages won't arrive until tomorrow afternoon because he didn't ship them with fast shipping. It was ten dollars cheaper to ship, <laughs> you know, with the the next level down of shipping, which totally just screws up the whole point. Mm-hmm. But Morty is still hell bent. This is where he says fashion is cyclical. He's still hell bent on pretty much just canceling the trip if he needs to oh to, to keep these boxes to, to to wait for these boxes and make this sale because this it's the only time he's got to strike while he can while the executive can still be sold and you know or else they're just going to be you know languishing in his garage forever mm-hmm. yeah i mean he even says like they'll they'll be there at two o'clock tomorrow their flight is at three o'clock so that this is yeah. this is the catalyst that uh, like you just said, Morty is thinking of canceling the trip because there's no way they'd be able to do both. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's a charter trip, so the the you know they'll miss. They, it's not like they can catch up later. Mm-hmm, exactly. This is it. That's it. So over at George's, Kramer shows up wearing a shirt that he bought at Rudy's, of course, from jo- from George's dad, 
and he's accosted by Frank right away. Like <laughs> that he, you know, he recognizes that shirt. He, he's like trying to rip it off of Kramer. They tussle a little bit. Then George uh, fesses up that he sold him. I love this. I mean, we were talking about child abuse earlier, but I mean, it's a grown <laughs> child. So he like, he smacks George right on the forehead. You sold him. What do you mean? You sold him? And he like smacks him on the forehead, like right between the eyes. It's, it's hilarious. Then George, you know, hears that the charter tickets are going to go unused, that, you know, this deal's still going down with the uh, executive and that Morty's going to miss his plane over it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so the charter tickets are going to go unused. And what happens to him then? And and Kramer's like, well, I guess they just, you know, they just go to waste. And Frank plans to go to Rudy's the next day. Uh, and at this point, Kramer sees a mouse and they both run into that little parlor area and they both try to it, there's like a very three stooges <laughs> moment where they try to go in the door yeah. at the same time and so neither one of them makes it in <laughs> and, and we we don't get the we don't get the payoff again but i'm guessing it was just the remote again yeah probably okay who because, knows because jo- neither george or estelle said anything J- george just looks down at the floor and just kind of like shrugs <laughs> yeah that's a pretty safe bet i didn't even think about it but that, that's probably a safe bet. Somehow it ended up on the floor again. Maybe in the middle of their tussle. Maybe. Maybe. Over at Monks, George wants the tickets from Jerry because they're just going to go to waste. And now George is like, you know, as long as he can get free tickets to Paris, he's like, of course I'm going to take this kid. I'll be in the Big Brother Hall of Fame taking this <laughs> child to Paris to like reunite him with his dad. And Jerry goes, I'm paying for those tickets. And George goes, I got lunch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that, that's about the same. Don't worry. I got lunch. It's about the same. Yeah. Seven seventeen fifty or whatever it's going to be, <laughs> and two tickets to Paris at the airport, which is JFK. By the way, I wanted to know whether it was LaGuardia oh, or, okay. or JFK, and it is. Judging by the tower, it's JFK. Jack, you know, this they're they're waiting for the boxes to be delivered, which is kind of weird. They're like waiting at a baggage carousel. Yeah, I didn't know you was... could ship packages that way like on an airline and get them delivered that way. I I didn't either. Maybe this is like a. Uh... A pre nine eleven thing? Yeah, where yeah, airlines would just do that for you, or or maybe there was. A, I, I, see, I can't think that there was like even a FedEx thing where it's like, yeah, we'll ship it right to the airport and you come pick it up at the baggage carousel when we unload it off of our our UPS plane or whatever. Maybe it just seemed weird. Maybe and and I I don't like using the maybe it was a pre nine eleven thing just as like a catch all, but like I was eight when nine eleven happened. I, yeah. I have no frame of reference for how airlines and flights and airports for that matter worked prior to that so i I literally have no idea yeah and i certainly wasn't shipping anything you know like this so i have no (laughs) idea if this was something you could do go go to an airline and have them ship it for you or you had to go to the airport to pick up a package it seems kind of weird but jack didn't tape the boxes when he sent them which i also can't believe the airline would go yep that's fine don't worry about securing your luggage or anything like that (laughs) well you however you want to ship it that's how we'll that's how we'll ship it. Like, no, tape it. Like, yeah, it's, you can't just go to the post office and, and send an open box. Especially, like, whenever I send something from the post office, whenever I send a box like that, they tape it for you. They literally have their tape gun, and they tape it for you on all of the sides, the top and the bottom. Mm, yeah, and, and they'll, like, you know, if, if something's not right on it, they, they won't take it. Right, right. You know, like, oh, this label has to be blacked out, or this this UPC didn't do that, or, or this, yeah. this address, or this number. Yeah. So just like throwing open boxes into, I'm like, this is this is just the weirdest. I, I can't suspend my disbelief this much. <laughs> but so there's coats everywhere. I mean, they're mm-hmm. falling out of the boxes and all over the conveyor belt and stuff like that. And and then they see uh, Morty's charter group leaving, and there's George leaving with Joey on the the tour with the tickets that Morty was supposed to be using with Joey, who is a prick. I wrote. Oh yeah, <laughs> Joey. Joey's a little brat. 
Uh, but George is trying to teach Joey some values, and Joey just like I forget what he tells George, but then he just like sticks his gum on the wall of the airport. Well, he, one thing he says is that you're not staying with us when we get to Paris. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> But I would imagine that George probably can just use the ch- wherever the charter hotel is, you know, whatever, wherever the group is staying. Yeah, that's true. Uh, over at Rudy's, Frank is confronting Rudy about the clothes, and Frank is really disappointed that George only managed to squeeze $25 extra out of Rudy. He's like, yeah, he said you were dead, and he squeezed an extra 25 bucks out of you. And, <laughs> and Frank is like, that's all my life is worth to him, $25? <laughs> then Morty and Kramer come in with all of the executives, and they throw them down on the counter. And then Frank and Morty argue uh, about the the jackets, and now Rudy's not even interested in them uh, because of you know the, he's like I don't buy off the street anymore because of those moths, and 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 Frank and Morty get into it because of you know not showing up to dinner and stuff like that. While everyone is arguing and talking, uh, some moths fly out of Kramer's shirt. Oh yeah, because he he starts squirming because he's like ticklish or something. Yeah, <laughs> and they look like cartoon moths. I gotta say, did they, you get a good look at them? I didn't get a good look at them, but they definitely uh, didn't look like moths. Yeah, they look like cartoons. Like it looked like Roger Rabbit style, like cartoon <laughs> live action mixing. Maybe uh, maybe on, it was on my TV. Maybe it was. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, and, and like I said, Rudy, Rudy won't buy the executives now. Back at JFK, Jerry's parents are flying back to Miami. And you want to talk pre-9-11, Elaine and Jerry and Aaron are right there at the gate. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just standing right next to the departure gate, uh, which doesn't happen anymore. Was TSA even a thing? Or, or was, it, or was it just like super what, lax? What the- like, what was the security checkpoint like to get onto a plane? Or could you just walk in and get to the gate? I'm trying to remember now because you know there there were you know you, you see that footage of on on the actual 9/11 the guys going through security but I don't remember what it entailed. I think it was maybe just like that just the little stand up thing that you walk through the beeps if you have metal. Mm, okay. Uh, and and then the and then the bag x-ray. I think that was pretty much it. Okay. But no like no But wanding, now of course there's a thing no... with the shoes and the yeah, no wanding, no shoes off, no taking like your electronics out of their bags and putting them in the separate bin, no uh, having the TSA agent check inside your ass. Right. No, no, none of that. None of that. I, th- I think maybe you'd get wanded if the if the machine wouldn't stop beeping with, with mm. the metal and stuff like that. But, okay. And, and then you know, pat down. I can't say for sure again because I don't. I, I'm my memory of of that is also not great because you know we we'd fly every now and then, but it wasn't a thing that kept happening up into. You know, I, I can't think of the last pre nine eleven flight I took. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything that was in your bag, you just kept in your bag, and it, it went through the X ray, and and then you walked through the thing, and then that was pretty much it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they they would have had to do that, but but they were you know you even if you didn't have a ticket, you were allowed to just go to the gate and meet meet everybody there. God, that it's just so wild to to think of. I know. <laughs> yeah, and Aaron like hugs the Seinfelds. He just like just really gets in there and gives them a big group hug as they leave. He's like really, he's really broken up about them leaving, and he goes off on kind of a monologue about. He was like, I could have, I could have done more for them, and this, of course, is a reference and kind of a parody of the end of Schindler's List. Do you remember? Oh no! Okay, I was wondering what this was about. <laughs> Yeah. So at the end of Schindler's, I do know this much about it. Spoiler alert. I mean, it's a, based on real events, but whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it, so Liam Neeson plays Oscar Schindler, mm-hmm. and I think it's Ben Kingsley who's telling him just how many lives of Jewish people he saved by. So I think Schindler like had a um, a uh, factory, and he he 
everybody he hired obviously would not be put to death. So he hired as many people as he could mm-hmm. and, you know, spent as much money, uh, you know, paid for this labor as much as he could just to save these lives. And, and at the end of the movie, he's like, this watch could have saved six more lives. This this pin right here could have saved two more lives. He realizes he didn't do enough. When, and, you know, and I think it was Ben Kingsley who's trying to convince him that he did everything he could and he did more than most people did and he saved all these lives. But so now they're playing it up like, you know, uh, they could have had so much more fun in New York City if uh, this watch, this ring, you know, I could have gotten more tickets or whatever it is. Ew. You know, it, it's, it's a parody of the end of Schindler's List. Well, now, um, now and, knowing that it's a parody of the end of Schindler's List, this uh, this feels really, really kind of tasteless. It's dark, but I think you know. It, it, I guarantee it comes from the mind of Larry David. Oh, for like, sure, for sure. Both, every, everything Schindler's like because if there's one thing Larry David hates, it's reverence. You uh-huh. know, so the fact that like if he could be irreverent about something that everyone's like, oh, you can't say anything bad about Schindler's List. Yeah. Like, well, like, I'm not going to say anything bad about it, but I'm going to show that you know you can have you can be irreverent mm-hmm. and, and show some people making out during it. And then sort of parody the big takeaway scene from the end when Oscar Schindler's like, I, I could have done more. Yeah, you know? I mean, I, I'm not saying... And, oh, he's yelling about water. Yeah, I'm not saying that it's like outright offensive. It's just, ooh, I... Yeah, <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll, I'll agree that it's wrong, but it's funny wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, I, I think I think I can I can agree with that. Yeah, it's that kind of funny where like, oh, that's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> like, oh, how dare uh, you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, he's yelling about water. They need water. They're going to get dehydrated on the plane. Just great commitment from Judge Reinhold here, I think, delivering this this monologue. Jerry then goes to Rachel's. He, he probably rushes right over there because he can't wait oh my God. Uh, to get some action. And Rachel's dad won't let her see Jerry because he heard about his behavior at the that Schindler's List. And he was like, luckily, my postman witnessed it. I believe... You know him, a heavyset gentleman who lives in your building. Uh, uh, and of course, Jerry knows that Newman snitched uh, right away once again, too. Uh, and it's kind of funny that Jerry's, again, some, someone's dad is preventing this woman easily in her, you know, let's say mid to late 20s. It is Jerry Seinfeld. You know, <laughs> he likes him young. But like <laughs> that he doesn't have permission to see a grown woman. He yeah. doesn't have permission to see an adult woman, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. <laughs> Back at Monk's. Jerry is telling, uh, I think it's Elaine, that his parents' house was robbed because of the broken window that Jack Klompas never fixed. He broke uh, the window, and someone else got in, and so the house was just completely cleaned out. Newman comes in, and Jerry, and they have a, kind of a knowing conversation that Newman's been snitching on him all over town, and, and Jerry references the brutality in Schindler's List or whatever and, and says, well, that's nothing compared to what I'm going to do to you, and they chases him out of the... Uh, out of the coffee shop in kind of a cartoony manner. Yeah, and it's it's here that Elaine uh, seemingly has broken up with Aaron and just noticed now that... Yeah, did you ever notice that he kind of stood too close to you when he talked? <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of thing like you don't bring up to your friends about your friend's significant other. Like, you just mention behind their back, like, oh, God, he's a close talker, I know. <laughs> but you can't tell her that. You know, you don't, you don't want to say anything bad about a person. Like, yeah. So, even Jerry, I think, kind of downplays it. Like, oh, I did kind of notice that or something. <laughs> in Paris, we kind of get a an, some loop dialogue over some Paris B-roll of George going, where the hell is your father? And he's <laughs> sitting there at this cafe outside with Joey, who takes what I think is a pat of butter and 
smacks it on George's glasses. Oh, Again, yeah. Joey is a prick. Yep. Cut to a cruise. Uh, the Costanzas are on a cruise, and, finally, and they run into the Seinfelds on the same cruise, oh, which man. was a, a quick cut. Like, oh, my this God, joke yeah. didn't really get a chance to land because if you didn't <laughs> Look at if you were looking at the Costanzas, you didn't see who they ran into because it's that much of a quick cut. Like, oh wait, who who was that? I got to rewind it and see who else was yeah, on the cruise. It's, yeah, I'm, oh, it's the Seinfeld. Like, it was. It I'm, goes away so quickly. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this edit job because, like, it, it, almost as soon as they are face to face, and you realize that they're face to face, the Costanzas and the Seinfelds, it's the next scene because it starts fading. Yeah. It starts fading as soon as the Seinfelds turn to the Costanzas. Like it, it just yeah. didn't. It like didn't have enough time to breathe. I don't think. Yeah, let the joke rest. Let them do a slow burn at each other. Let them like, you know, let everybody, let everybody, including the audience, take stock of what they just saw. You know. Yeah, and and I'm I sh- I am certain that whenever they were filming it, they didn't cut it as soon as like they faded this down. <laughs> there has to be the footage. Yeah, yeah. You know. Everybody, the the Costanzas. The Seinfelds look up and are cut. Okay, we got it. Everybody go home. Yeah, every, one every, shot. That's every, it. Everybody leave right now. Everybody leave. <laughs> clear, clear the set. Strike. You don't want to let the film. You don't want to let the film run. Just a couple seconds. Nope. Nope. Tear it down. Burn it. Burn the set. <laughs> what? That's, that's it. a series wrap. That, that that's it. <laughs> oh, Good job, God. everybody. Thank you. Make sure your time cards are turned in. That's it. Uh, yeah, maybe it was a union thing. Maybe they were so over budget. Like, all right, we have three minutes to film this scene or the or we're gonna go into overtime with the union jesus all right don't worry i'll get it done i'll get it done or my name's not tom sharonis <laughs> <laughs> um i don't i'm pretty sure he directed this episode i'm only guessing because he did like every other one so um so th- it is a quick cut to uh the final stand-up bit about uh the distance you are to stand from people uh, one is at the atm where you want to give people a, a big and and i agree i you know i mean still to this day i i'll give people a wide breath at the atm i like getting a lot of distance between me and the person behind me. And I work as fast as I can at the ATM because I'm worried that like, you know, if before I pop my card out, someone's going to be able to run up and go withdraw $500 or whatever. And then like run off with it. Like, Oh no, I should have <laughs> taken the card out faster. <laughs> like that, like that is going to happen. Um, and then urinals too, is the other place where you want a lot of distance between you and the person next to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, uh, both of these are just to set up the punchline. So basically anywhere you're taking valuables out of your pants, uh. <laughs> there were funny premises and it's a fine a fine punchline but you know <laughs> uh. it was a long walk a long walk for that punchline especially it's at the end of a double episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah exactly oh man but that is the end of a double episode that is that is it um okay so did we have i'm certain that we had we mentioned uh some homework that we wanted to look up for next week yes uh we wanted to look yeah, up i know what... tippy tippy day day was one of them <laughs> yeah we want to look up and see if tippy tippy day day is thing uh, is a thing i want to look up and see uh rudy's plastered over whatever was there uh before on that on that awful 70s era b-roll we we want to do a uh a look into michael g Haggerty and see like what uh, else yeah. he was in and i think think but no that was it okay so those those three things okay all right did we want to try and come up with a better description (laughs) we can try okay so we had kramer's scheme to sell vintage raincoats backfires george sells his dad's clothes jerry and his girlfriend have a hard time finding privacy (laughs) 
Hmm. Um, so I, I, mean, my, I, I don't really hate it that much. The only thing I would take out is maybe the word backfires. I would say Kramer schemes to sell old raincoats. Yeah, uh, because the, the fact of it backfiring is literally the final act of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so that, that kind of gives that away. I mean, obviously, you go into the show not thinking something is going to happen successfully, uh, but yeah, exactly. uh, I, I, I would definitely take out backfires. Honestly, I would eliminate the entire thing about Jerry and his girlfriend, because that is such a C storyline that in the entire like 48 minutes of the episode, I think they have maybe five minutes of screen time. Yeah, and, and it is just for the Schindler's List kind of uh, punchline, so yeah, I can lose that. Yeah, I, I think I'd be totally fine with Kramer scheme to uh, Kramer schemes to sell vintage raincoats, and George sells his dad's clothes. Yeah, boom, there we go. Fine with me. All right, so next week we have got season five, episode twenty, the fire. Uh, oh crap, I didn't look up the uh, air date. I do know that it is only uh, one week after this episode. Uh, yeah, I have May fifth, nineteen ninety four. Okay, yeah, that would make sense. Um, so May 5th, 1994, if you're looking at TV guide that night, you are gonna see George panics during a fire at his girlfriend's son's birthday party and bolts for an escape route while Kramer's girlfriend was a, has a heckling laugh that threatens to ruin Jerry's act at a comedy club. Whew. Oh, I, I think this is a, I think this is going to be a good episode. And if I'm not mistaken, we get a very early non cameo from a future, mover and shaker in the hollywood industry oh god! i won't say any more than that but oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure in this episode we get <laughs> kind of a shocking a very surprising cameo from somebody who is um you know a, a very much a big shot these days okay all right i'm i'm interested i'm intrigued and uh, i want i want to mention too about the raincoats um you know i i don't know if this will make my top whatever we do at the end of the episode but i had a really good time watching it it really? was just a it wasn't like laugh out loud all the way through, but I really did enjoy it. Yeah, I really, I wasn't like doubled over in laughter as I have been with some other episodes this season, mm-hmm. which is kind of my grading rubric. But I, while I was watching it, I was like, this is just a solid high baseline episode. See, I... To me, it wasn't for you? I, I'm the opposite. I, I didn't have really anything against it, but see, to me, whenever we go into like these long episodes... I, I feel like I'm expecting a little bit more, you know? I, I feel mm-hmm. like we, we need to have mm-hmm. a very strong story. We need to have, like, very strong, like, uh, bits that they're trying to hit for punchlines. And I feel like this just kind of didn't deliver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would agree that it wasn't very strong, but I, I but I would call it strong Okay. on the, on the level, you know? Hmm. It's like on a, on a five-point grading scale, I guess. I would give it, like, maybe a four. See, I, I would probably only give it a three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've had a lot of threes, and I think we've had a lot of fives, but this is like, I, this was just a straight up, just I think an enjoyable an episode that I was like, I'm having a good time. You know, I, I, I wasn't like laughing hysterically as I have been in other episodes, but I'm like, I'm just having a good time with this episode. <laughs> that's all I ask. So, all right, I guess that's it. Yeah, that is it. <laughs> a double episode from us for a double episode from them. All right, so for the hugging, no learning, I'm Tim Murphy. <laughs> I'm Ted Hallowell. Be good. Be good.